Hello good everybody, I'm Paul the Nitro Skyvers, and welcome to part one of this special 100th episode of Saturday Evenings with the Nitro. Thank you so very much for joining us. Man, I'm excited because we have finally reached a milestone for this podcast, number 100. In part one of this podcast, I will take a look back at some of the best moments of this podcast And we're going to get started with the very first episode as I talked about how Charlotte Flair is wooing herself out of her reputation. Hope you enjoy that, and I'll be back in between segments to guide you along this part one of the 100th episode of Saturday Evenings with the Nitro, as I call it, the best of Saturday Evenings with the Nitro. Thank you very much, and welcome back to Saturday Evenings with the Nitro here on Anchor.fm and all your local streaming services for your podcast. I'm Paul the Nitro Skyvers. Thank you so very much for joining us. Let's talk about our main story today. Is Charlotte Flair wooing herself out of her own reputation? Well, (laughs) where do we begin with this? I think that Charlotte Flair sometimes takes herself a little too seriously. From what I've heard on the internet, all the rumors, all the backstories I keep hearing off the dirt sheets, that apparently Charlotte and Becky Lynch had an argument about the title swapping situation, which quite frankly was stupid to begin with. Why not just have them fight at the Survivor Series to have an undisputed women's champion? They've done it before in the men's division. Why can't they do it in the women's division? Back to Charlotte Flair. Uh, if If she felt that it made her title reign weak and make her character weak, weak from what? You dominated the Raw division, women's division. You got drafted over to SmackDown. You could use that and say, hey, I dominated the Raw Women's Division. You better watch out, SmackDown, because the queen is coming to SmackDown. That's basically it. And not have this title swapping thing. But if she feels that it weakens her, that's kind of creating heat with the locker room. And apparently the locker room has gone with Becky Lynch now. I guess she's more personable. Charlotte Flair is more secluded with herself. But there may be another reason behind this, and I've mentioned this before on my column on Sunday eat, Sunday mornings with the Nitro. I told ever I wrote that Charlotte Flair could possibly be going to AEW. Let's face facts. Charlotte Flair has done just about everything in the in the WWE, and this may be a result of it as well. Now, notwithstanding Charlotte's behavior backstage, if that creates bad heat with and um, causes a lowering of the morale in the locker room, then that's a problem. Yes, I understand that. But here's the thing also. Is Charlotte Flair happy working in the WWE now? Who knows? I wouldn't be too surprised, and I set this date, January 1st, 2022, either Charlotte Flair gets her release from her contract or she may get fired from 
the WWE based on, I guess, some of her actions? I don't know. I can't, I'm not Charlotte Flair. I'm not with Charlotte Flair. What she does is her own decision. But her attitude and her behavior behind the scenes, as well as what happened in the title swap, is basically, yeah, kind of wooing herself out of her own reputation. And once the, the locker room just turns on you like that, once you display that type of attitude, then they're not as willing to work with you. And that might mean more of, of not wanting to be there in the WWE in the first place. She's kind of, yes, wooing herself out of her reputation. The rest is up to her. I will keep a close eye on it. But as far as I'm concerned, yeah, based on the behavior, based on what happened backstage, and if Sonya Deville wants to fight you for real, eh, you got a problem there. But I think by January 1st, 2022, we're going to see whether Charlotte Flair gets released or something's going to happen where she may get fired. I'm not guaranteeing any of that, but there's something that's going to happen probably by January 1st, 2022. And if I'm going if I'm wrong, I will say that I'm wrong right here on Saturday evenings with the Nitro. So that's basically my opinion on that whole situation. That's our main story this week on Saturday evenings with the Nitro. Now let's leave the WWE for a bit, and let's talk about AEW, which I mentioned this past week in my column, Sunday evenings with the Nitro, or actually on my podcast. Hello again, everybody. I'm Paul DeNitro Scars, and welcome to this edition of Saturday Evenings with the Nitro. Thank you so much for joining us. This week, it's all about the Survivor Series 2021. I will do a recap of the show. Do I smell a conspiracy? I'll tell you more in just a moment. Plus, we'll have an expanded this week in wrestling history. So without any further ado, let's begin. We begin with a pregame show that happened an hour before the Survivor Series. It was announced that the attendance was 15,120 fans, which was sold out at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. And we saw the begin first shot was Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair arriving at the building as the heat begins to rise between these two before their match at the Survivor Series. The kickoff team, quite honestly, is sending a vibe that they are holding back something. It's just that feeling early on in the show that there's something that they're holding back, something that they don't want the audience to know about. It's, I just got that vibe that there is something that they know that we don't, and we're going to probably find out later in the show. Can you say Montreal Screwjob? Maybe. That's what I was initially thinking. There's something along the lines of that immediately after the Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair thing. But again, it's just a hunch at that time. Next up, we'll be doing a Cricket 5G fan. So now, do me one favor. If there are fans out there that do this Cricket 5G fan zone where they go <clears throat> behind a backdrop and they answer a question about who will win the Survivor Series, who will win this match, can you imagine the fans actually told the truth about the WWE instead of the these manufactured answers? I mean, how about if a fan come out there and says, man, you suck, dude. 
AEW is kicking your butt, man. MJF could beat Seth Rollins in 30 seconds. You think that would air? No, no. But they give these manufactured answers. All the queen reigns supreme. Roman is my tribal chief. Come on. Now imagine they told the real truth. Yeah, WWE sucks. I don't even know what I'm doing here. I'm just bored. <laughs> mm -mm -mm. Next up, the uh, Team SmackDown women's promo. Just lame morale and a useless promo. Of course, Sa uh, Sasha Banks and Shotzi Blackheart would get in each other's faces. So lame. So low team morale. It was so scripted and manufactured. It's just not even funny. I mean, give me a break on that. Ugh. And then uh, they brought up a very interesting statistic about Randy Orton. He would set the record with the most pay-per-view match appearances as well as the most Monday Night Raw appearances, which he did break, both of them, in two straight days of his career. That is just a great accomplishment. Congratulations, Randy, on that great accomplishment. I mean, most pay-per-view matches participated in and most Raw matches participated in. That was, that's a great accomplishment. Congratulations to Randy. Great job. Next up, they did The Rock's 25th anniversary of his Survivor Series debut. Just so much heavy hype as they played the Red Notice movie. Now, have you noticed in the movie when they did the promos and stuff of the movies how Gal Gadot, I mean, Wonder Woman was just kicking The Rock's behind all over the place? I mean, you're promoting the Survivor Series, and yet at the same time, you're showing Gal Gadot whooping The Rock's candy ass all over the place really oh my god i mean that's lame promo work son that's lame i mean why are you showing that you need the rock to be strong in order to buy your pay-per-view oh my god gal gadot is going to be a major force in hollywood as far as i'm concerned she already is with wonder woman and now she kicked the rock's butt in red notice Ooh, that skyrocket her Career, no doubt about that. Mm -mm -mm. Well, what we're going to do right now is going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, the first match, official match of the evening for the Survivor Series, we'll talk about that after this timeout. Hello again, everybody. I'm Paul the Nitro Skyvers, and after watching the Survivor Series, oh, good Lord. I'm ready to discuss it, and I'm discussing it right now on my podcast, which is brought to you by Anchor.fm. Now, folks, if you want to have a podcast out there and let your voice be heard, do it for free. Go to Anchor.fm. It's free. It's easy to set up, and you're on your way, and you can get paid for your podcast. All you have to do is go to Anchor.fm, sign up today, and you're on your way, Anchor.fm. Welcome back, everyone, to this special Survivor Series recap edition of Saturday Evenings with the Nitro. Thank you so much for joining us. We're still in the pregame show, and the first official match of the evening took place as the United States Heavyweight Champion, Damian Priest, took on the Intercontinental Champion, Shinsuke Nakamura. In the end, Shinsuke won the match by disqualification in 9 minutes and 28 seconds after Damian Priest hit Shinsuke with the guitar. 
And quite frankly, we don't need Rick Boogs playing guitar rigs. So you notice that every time Damien was in control, he has to strum his guitar. I was like, what the hell is that? What the hell is that? What is Rick Boogs doing at ringside? If he wants to be a wrestler, let him be a wrestler. He'll probably get past mid-card status. I mean, come on. We don't need Rick Boogs out there playing the guitar and all that crap. <clears throat> anyway, oh, give you a heads up. I am announcing the times for each match thanks to my stopwatch option on my cell phone. So I'll give you a perspective of how long the match took place at the Survivor Series. So right now, SmackDown won, won the first match of the night. They lead Raw 1-0 at the Survivor Series. Pretty decent match from both of them, actually. And Priest may be turning heel by his actions. You could tell by his, his facial expression how angry he was at Shinsuke and how he got distracted by the guitar. Excuse me. By the guitar of Rick Hoogs. That's what he calls himself, please. Damian Priest is going to be a heel by the time WrestleMania rolls around. Then Vince McMahon enters the arena with the golden egg from Red Notice. What is the point? What's the point of Mr. McMahon being there? Yeah, you're the owner of the WWE and you have the egg, the $100 million egg. It looks more like 10 bucks to make it as far as I'm concerned. I mean, come on. Vince had nothing to the pay-per-view. I'm sorry. Vince McMahon has no storyline going for him. No angle. No nothing. Just a cameo with the golden egg. Uh, what was the point? And on a on an interesting note, uh, Mariah Carey acknowledged Roman Reigns as the tribal chief. Could we smell a rock, a rocket wrestling connection too? Who knows? Maybe that'll be interesting enough to get the WWE back up in the ratings. Who knows? But that will do it for the pregame show as we now enter the pay-per-view itself. And it began with that cold opening. Red Notice was featured heavily in the promo as it relates to the Survivor Series. There is no relation between Red Notice and the Survivor Series. None. Once again, they're showing Gal Gadot whipping the rocks, but right there in the movie promo, why are you doing that when you're trying to promote the Survivor Series? I don't get that. There is no comparison. No similarities between Red Notice and the Survivor Series. You're just hyping a movie. That's it. And that's your cold opening, folks. And then the pay-per-view got started. And believe me, I was not happy with the opening of this. They announced before the pregame show went off the air that the first match was Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair. That was actually officially the second match of the night. But it's the first match of the pay-per-view. Why? Why? It's the main event. Look at the heat. The heat that came out of this angle between these two. They don't like each other for real. They don't. They want to whoop each other's behinds. Every, probably out in, the, out in the alley or out in the street or at a restaurant. They don't like each other. Period. End of story. There's your real heat. 
and you're going to put that first on your pay-per-view. That should have been the main event of the evening. Build up that anticipation. Make the other WWE superstars work for once. Work. Not put the, the probably the hottest match, the hottest feud of 2021 first on a pay-per-view. Create, uh, excuse me, I should not use that word creative. Script writing hacks. There you go. Your script writing hacks who are impatient as hell writing uh, writing their little scripts. Oh, we got to put Becky versus Charlotte first. We don't want to wait till last. Why? Why? It's stupid. That is that is the biggest booking mistake you ever have. You put something there last. Your main event. Build the anticipation. It will produce more. Dumb mistake. Major mistake by the quote-unquote creative booking. They dropped the ball, man. It should have been the main event, period. Well, let's start with the matchup. Um, let you know that Becky Lynch won the match with a reverse roll-up and a hand on the ropes in 18 minutes and 26 seconds. But I'll get to the finish in the end. I'll get to the finish in the end but of this. But Becky and Charlotte's body language feels like it's a legit shoot. When they fought, they hit each other for real. There was nothing pulled back, folks. The slaps were hard. The punches were hard. You could tell by their maneuvers in the ring and stuff like that that they were really trying to hurt each other. I'm sorry. You may disagree with me on that, but from what I saw, they wanted to whoop each other's butt as if they were going to do it for real. They indeed it for real. I mean, look at the slaps. Look at the punches, the kicks. I mean, they were laying in the leather, brother. They were laying it in there, big time. First 30 seconds, this is a shoot, folks. This is a shoot. that Legitimate as far as I'm concerned. Real blows were delivered. Then the end. The roll-up. Is this how you want to end the match? A roll-up. From Charlotte Flair, she had the hand on the rope, but the referee stops her right there. Then Becky Lynch reverses the roll-up, puts her hand on the rope, and oh, how convenient, the referee counts three. Now, I mentioned the title of the show. Do I smell a conspiracy here? You better believe it. And this may be more proof that Charlotte Flair is going to lead the WWE for AEW on January 1st. I don't know whether she agreed with the finish or not, I don't know all the facts about it. I will admit that. And as I mentioned before, if I'm wrong about the January 1st deadline, I will apologize right here on this podcast. But come on, you that is such a lame roll-up. It made Charlotte look bad as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, she may have caused some backstage heat on her own with the attitude problem and stuff like that. Maybe this is a way of punishing her. I don't know. Becky Lynch. Yeah, cheap win. And then Monday night on Raw. Oh, my goodness gracious. I mean, now she wants to us to believe that she's a heel. She is not a heel. There is no way in hell she's a heel. Even going against Liv Morgan, mid-card talent. Okay, maybe I'll buy maybe in an upset if they do it right. But as far as I'm concerned, she is not a heel. Becky Lynch is a fan favorite. She's a baby face. She's not a heel. And if she can tell the people to go to hell, then we're not going to buy it. Not one bit. Do I smell a conspiracy? You better believe it. 
I'm still steadfast on that deadline, January 1st. You can bet that Charlotte Flair will be asking for her release or will be released by the WWE and will be going to AEW. Bottom line, that's it. As far as I'm concerned, again, if I'm wrong after January 1st, I will apologize right here on this podcast just to reiterate that point. Moving on from that, the NXT War Games promo. Who cares? I don't care. I don't watch NXT. Who cares? The Now, that was the second official match of the night with um, Raw winning, so they're tied 1-1. Wow. Next up, the men's Survivor Series matchup. Team Raw versus Team SmackDown. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is go through the order of elimination for the Survivor Series matchups, and I'll give you my thoughts in the end. Order of elimination goes as follows. Kevin Owens by countout in 50 seconds. He left his teammates high and dry. More about that in a moment. Baron Corbin gets pinned by Finn Balor in 7 minutes, 49 seconds. King Woods gets eliminated by Bobby Lashley in 13 minutes, 29 seconds. Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley both get counted out of the ring at 16 minutes, 37 seconds. Finn Balor is eliminated by Sheamus in 19 minutes and 40 seconds. Sheamus is eliminated by Austin Theory in 24 minutes and 59 seconds. Austin Theory then gets eliminated by Jeff Hardy in 27 minutes and 5 seconds. And finally, Seth Rollins gets uh, Seth Rollins wins by pinning Jeff Hardy in 30 minutes and 8 seconds. Team Raw wins it in 30 minutes and 8 seconds. Let me begin my thoughts on this. First of all, Seth Rollins' outfit looks absolutely ridiculous. He's trying to rip off Jesse the Body Ventura. Really? With the boa, the feathery boa, and all that type of stuff. Too flashy for me as far as I'm concerned. Come to find out the mystery partner was Sheamus. Who cares? That was a blown opportunity to do a good mystery partner angle. Kevin Owens walks out on the team after an argument with Rollins as to who will start the match. Where are they putting Now, I heard Kevin Owens just signed an uh, extension on his contract. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, lost opportunity. He could have easily left and gone to AEW. He could have a much better opportunity in AEW, as far as I'm concerned. Good fight with Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley, proving that these two men have, not, have no love lost for each other, but they got double counted out in that matchup. And then Sheamus turning his back on Jeff Hardy after he got pinned. I guess Sheamus and Jeff Hardy are going to be feuding now on SmackDown. Nonetheless, Team Raw wins the bout in 30 minutes and 8 seconds. That means Raw leads it 2-1. to one. Boy, it gets real exciting from here, folks. <laughs> Next up, Mr. McMahon in his office with the golden $10 egg. And, he, and Roman Reigns comes to his office. They are telegraphing The Rock versus Reigns and maybe at WrestleMania. You could just sense it. Why don't you just keep it under wraps until probably the Royal Rumble? Have Roman Reigns win it, and then he chooses The Rock as his opponent. Why? Because he is getting tired of hearing The Rock this, The Rock that, Red Notice, who cares? But yet they telegraph it is all because of these script writing hacks. 
that just not wasting their time, doesn't want to waste their little time so they can go on Netflix and Hulu. Really? And that egg, good Lord, that $10 egg, give me a break. Again, what is Vince McMahon doing there? I don't know. But that was the promo for that. Well, we're going to take ourselves another time out when we come back. The 25-man Battle Royal from the Survivor Series as we continue our coverage of the Survivor Series here on Saturday evenings with the Nitro. We'll be right back. Hello again, everybody. I'm Paul, the Nitro Skyvers. And for you folks that want to do a podcast, it's real easy. Go to anchor.fm. Sign up today. It's free. It's easy. And you can get started on your own podcast. Let your voice be heard on any subject. And it, and it streams on all the uh, streaming services like Spotify, Google, Apple, and other streaming services, Anchor.fm. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of Saturday Evenings with the Nitro, our Survivor Series recap show. Thank you so very much for joining us. Now let's move on to the fourth official match of the night, which was the 25th anniversary of The Rock's 25-man battle royal. This was thrown in last week. Why? Just, I guess because they didn't have anything else better to do than put them in a battle royal. Put your other talent that's not heavily booked in there. Oh, my goodness. Well, let me tell you right now, the battle royal was won by almost in 10 minutes and 34 seconds. Is um, almost probably the new Andre the Giant. I mean, t- if you really think about that, if Andre was in almost his shape in 1987 and 88 in his prime. If Andre was in his prime instead of what he was in 1987 and 88, no disrespect to Andre the Giant, he would be almost. I think that almost is being shaped to be the new Andre the Giant. It's going to take a little bit of time. Kind of a, if you think that's far-fetched out there, trust me, folks. Look at Andre the Giant in his prime and compare him to almost early in his career. It's the same thing. It's good stuff. I mean, almost dominated that battle royal. I'm telling you, I think almost is going to be the new Andre the Giant. You never know with that. Oh, by the way, on a side note, another shameless promo for Pizza Hut during the battle royal. They brought pizza out there. Why? Why? People know they can order pizza. They don't have to order from Pizza Hut. They can order from whatever pizza um, restaurant they want. Pizza Hut. And they're throwing out pizzas to the audience. Oh, yeah. It sure is exciting to have a cold pizza watching a cold pay-per-view. Wow. And, And you don't know where that pizza came from? Come on, Pizza Hut. Yeah, get this. Get this party box of pizza and stuff. Where did it come from? Unbelievable. I ain't catching that flying pizza. You don't know where it's been. And it's cold. Why would you eat it? Oh, my goodness. Anyway, moving on. Fifth match of the night is the Usos, the SmackDown Live Tag Team Champions, against RK Bro. 
In the end, it was kind of an upset as RK Bro defeated the Usos in 14 minutes, 55 seconds after Randy Orton defeated uh, Jimmy Uso with the RKO as he was trying to splash Riddle. It was an okay match, a nice uh, Ohio Valley wrestling reference by Pat McAfee. Glad that he's trying, um, mentioning the past there with Ohio Valley Wrestling. It was an okay match as far as I'm concerned, but Randy did break the record. Congratulations again to Randy Orton. Next up, Mr. McMahon's egg is missing. What'd they do? Did they write that on the spot? Did they write that on the spot? That $10 egg? Stupid. Another useless point. Really? With that $10 egg? It's not worth $100,000. It's $10. $10. That's it. Really? Come on. Oh, Jesus, Cromedy. No more useless egg promos, okay? Jeez. And, oh, by the way, Mr. McMahon decides whoever can catch her, uh, can bring me the culprit of that missing egg will be given a title shot. At least that's what he said tomorrow night. And I'm going to leave that alone. It was stupid. It was pointless. Oh, by the way, Austin Theory had the egg and he got a title shot. Oh, that is just so original by these script writing hacks. Give me a break. Well, we're going to take a time out here. When we come back, we're going to take a look at the Women's Survivor Series matchup. By the way, Raw now leads it 3-1. to one. Who cares? More after this timeout. Hello everybody, I'm Paul the Nitro Skyvers, and unlike Mr. McMahon's useless egg promo, if you want your podcast on out there, go to anchor.fm. It's free, it's easy, they got great transition music, they got um, Spotify music that you can use for your podcast. Get your voice out there. As far as I'm concerned, it is the best thing going today, and you can stream your podcast on all streaming services such as Spotify, Google, Apple, and other streaming services. Anchor.fm. It's no it's no a conspiracy unlike Mr. McMahon's promos. Give me a break. But they anchor.fm is the place for you to get your website or your podcast out there. Anchor.fm Hello again, everybody. I'm Paul the Nitro Skyvers. Welcome to this edition of e- Saturday Evenings with the Nitro. Thank you so very much for joining us. <clears throat> we got a pretty good show today in our main story, the best promo of this decade. We'll talk about the MJF CM Punk promo from the past two, I mean, two weeks ago as well as last week and why it was probably the best promo I've seen of this decade. Plus, we'll talk about Liv Morgan, Kevin Owens, uh, Cody Rhodes. We'll talk about AEW. Does the internet shows help or hurt AEW? Plus, Brock is back. That's right. Brock Lesnar is back. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about my videos from YouTube and my upcoming column tomorrow on the Sunday mornings with the Nitro. Plus, this week in wrestling history and my parting shot on the day one pay-per-view. So without any further ado, let's get started with Monday Night Raw. Let's talk about Liv Morgan. The time is now to win the championship. 
Liv Morgan has been on a major rolls of late. Lots of positive momentum towards uh, big-time Becks in the Raw Women's Championship. Big title match this Monday. As far as I'm concerned, the time is now to win the championship because if you don't, it's right to the back of the line and you'll have to start all over again. And we don't know when or even if she'll get a return match for the Raw Women's Championship. So there is much urgency in Liv Morgan to win the Raw Championship. She has laid her out twice. She's shown that she's not afraid of big-time becks. She's ready to step up to the plate. Monday Night Raw is going to be real interesting in that title match. But like I said before, the time is now to win the championship or you may not get another chance at that Raw Women's Championship again. So the time is now for Liv Morgan to win the Raw Women's Championship this Monday night on Raw. All right, let's talk about The Miz for a moment. He's back and his ego's bigger than ever. Yes, he was on Dancing with the Stars. He finished ninth. He didn't win the, the big crystal ball, whatever it's called. And he came back with an even bigger ego than before. Yes, Miz and the Misses have been renewed for another season. I don't watch it. Don't particularly care for it. But now he wants to shove it into Edge's face because he didn't get the grand entrance, the grand comeback entrance that Edge got this past Monday on Raw. Well, let, let me clue you in on something, Miz. Edge has been here wrestling. What have you been doing? Dancing with the stars and try to get Miz and Mrs. renewed for yet another season. Do you want a Hollywood career or do you want to be a professional wrestler? You can't have both and you can't expect everyone else to follow your lead on that. So the Miz needs to check his ego at the door because if he doesn't, Edge will be more than glad to take care of Mr. Hollywood himself, The Miz. Yes, his ego's gotten ridiculously huge. It needs to stop before Edge will stop it for him. So to wrap up Monday Night Raw, let's talk about Kevin Owens. Will he ever, quote-unquote, trust himself again? Yeah, he's got a title match coming up. He's got a steel cage match with Big E. But I notice in his promos and his interviews that he really does not trust himself. He's trying to convince everybody, I'm not the bad guy. But yet, you are the bad guy. You're the same guy we knew for the past, what, two, three years that you were a rule breaker in the WWE? Do you really trust yourself in being this role again? Because that's where you're going now. So do you really trust yourself? I say no. I don't think Kevin Owens knows what type of role he wants to be in. Does he want to be a good guy? Does he want to be a bad guy? He tries to convince the world that that's not me. You know, I try to apologize, yada, yada, yada. And that circumstances made him lose matches. matches. I mean, you could have done something about it, Kevin. I mean, you you're make your own decisions. You're your own man. So do, you, so do you really trust yourself? I don't think so. I think that quite honestly, you have a hard time trying to figure out whether you want to be the good guy or the bad guy. You can't be in between. 
that's a sure sign that you're going to be lost in the shuffle. And from what I heard, you renewed your contract. You had an opportunity to start fresh, fresh in AEW or Impact Wrestling. I mean, you've done basically all you could in the WWE. Why torture yourself? Now you've got trust issues within yourself, whether you want to be a good guy or a bad guy. you got to make up your mind because you got a triple threat match at the day one pay-per-view. So do you trust, does he, will he ever trust himself again? I don't know. Me personally, I don't think he trusts himself now. As far as whether he wants to be the good guy or the bad guy, you got to make up your mind. And that will be Monday Night Raw for this week. We're going to take a timeout when we come back. Our main story, the best promo of the decade in just a moment here on Saturday evenings with the Nitro. <coughs> Excuse me. Hello there, everybody. I'm Paul DeNitro Skyvers, and I keep saying it week after week, and I'll continue to say it week after week. If you want a podcast to go out and all these great streaming services like Spotify, Google, Apple, and get your voice heard, go to anchor.fm. It's the place to be, and it's free, free. All you got to do is sign up today. They have easy instructions on how to set up your own podcast. They are connected to all the streaming services like Spotify, Google, Apple, etc., etc. So what are you waiting for? Go to anchor.fm. Hello again, everybody. I'm Paul Nitro Skyvers. Welcome back to another edition of Saturday Evenings with the Nitro. It's time for our main story of the week, the promo of the decade. And folks, believe me, this is, in my opinion, the promo of the decade. Two weeks ago on Dynamite, CM Punk and MJF. That was the greatest promo I've ever seen of this decade because of one reason. It had sizzle. It had the steak. It had substance. Let me explain. All the vicious bars back and forth between MJF and CM Punk that provided sizzle, that got the fans' attention, got my attention, and going, ooh, did he just say that? Ooh, I can't believe he just said that. Unreal. That's emotion. That's real emotion that you're getting out of the fans from these two. And the substance, the stake of it all, oh, my goodness. He MGF went back to 2011, folks. 2011. Wow. That, that's unreal. He went back to CM Punk's past, draw it all out, and said, hey, you left the business, man. You took your ball and went home, man. You had the opportunity to be the best in the world, but you're not. MJF is the best in the world. CM Punk calling him a second-rate Miz. Ooh, have you heard the Miz's name ever on AEW broadcast? No, no, you never heard any WWE superstar's name that's currently in the WWE on AEW broadcasting. That right there, that's the steak right there. You got the sizzle. You got the steak. And they got real heat against each other. That's real heat. 
You don't think that they're doing this from a script? No. There is no script involved in this one, folks. And then a week later, after CM Punk defeated Lee Moriarty, did you hear MJF's thoughts after, during the match and after the match? More the same. More of those vicious, personal barbs right out of He talked about his dog. His dog! And saying he was going to put him to sleep. Now, when was the last time you heard that one? Rarely, if ever, you ever heard such a vicious cut right into CM Punk that forced CM Punk to go outside and get in the face of Wardlow with MGF behind him. That, folks, is sizzle and steak right there. That's the best promo I've ever heard of this decade. And it'll be top five of this um, century as far as I'm concerned. Top five of this century. And yeah, there may be some disagreement with that amongst others, but my opinion, it's probably the best promo of the decade and quite frankly, the top five of this century. And I cannot wait until Long Island, New York, this Wednesday, the home of MJF, if CM Punk is going to bring all the ammunition because you can bet MJF is going to bring that and a whole lot more with a different slant, just like Bret Hart did in Canada in 1997. I am telling you, this is the hottest thing in professional wrestling today. I am telling you straight out, pay attention to this. It is good. That is the best promo of the decade, and it could top it. That's the best part. It could be topped. That's good stuff right there. And MJF saying that he's going to be the Piper in Portland. Maybe he'll surpass Piper in Portland. Maybe he'll surpass Flair in the Carolinas, Dusty in Florida. You never know. And I'm not going to compare them, uh, MJF, yet to Piper in Portland, to Flair in the Carolinas. Not yet. Let it cook up. Let it season itself out. Just taking our time with this. And that could be a legitimate run. I'm telling you, you heard it from me first. That was the best promo of this decade. That was two weeks ago on Dynamite and this past week on Dynamite. And there's more to come from those two. And that is our main story for this week. Let's move on to AEW. Let's talk about Cody Rhodes. Mr. I'm going through a flaming table this week to try and impress the fans. And then his promo from about a couple weeks ago. I will never turn bad. I will never turn heel to a heel. Should you reconsider that, Cody? Because the fans are booing you right now. They are booing. They are done with you, Cody. They're done with you. They're done with Brandy. They see right through you, son. See right through you. It's like Rocky Maivia. That's right. The Rock, before he was the Rock, he was Rocky Maivia. They saw right through that. They see that Rocky sucks. Rocky dies. Could be worse for you, Cody, amongst the fans' chance. But as far as I'm concerned, shouldn't you reconsider it? Look at the Rock. Rocky Maivia became the Rock. And look what happened to him down the road. World famous now, Cody Rhodes. Maybe it's time to go heel. You and Brandy, can you imagine that? Going heel. 
Maybe it'll give you something for the fans to cheer you about once in a while. But if you want to consider facing me, be true to yourself. You're not being true to yourself. It's time to go heal. Or else these fans are going to boo you right out of your career as far as I'm concerned. All right, let's move on to Jamie Hayter. Um, Jamie Hayter, as you know, got eliminated in the quarterfinals of the TBS title tournament thanks to some botched interference by Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. The question is, though, after all that, and plus an argument, uh, near argument this past week on Dynamite, will Dr. Britt Baker ruin her career? Um, it sure looks like they're headed down the road with that. I mean, Jamie Hayter's a pretty impressive athlete from Britain. There's no doubt she's got skill. She's got strength. Maybe on her own she could do a great job. But I guess Dr. Britt Baker wants to use her as a bodyguard, a.k.a. she's holding her back. I think she may know something that we don't know about that she's trying to make sure it keeps under wraps. I'm telling you right now, if Jamie Hayter continues to be under Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and I'm saying the same thing for Rebel. Rebel could be a, a manager or something like that with somebody else and progress their career as well as hers. So Dr. Britt Baker has basically outlived the usefulness of Jamie Hayter and, and uh, Rebel. I think it's time for those two to split. From Dr. Britt Baker because Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, has now become the face of AEW and doesn't need the backup anymore. Doesn't need the backup anymore. I think it's time for both Jamie Hayter and Rebel to try to go out on their own. And even if they don't make, even they make maybe mid-card status, that's better than nothing as far as I'm concerned. So as long as they may stay with Dr. Britt Baker, they may end up ruining their career. All right, let's finally talk about AEW shows itself. Does the internet shows help or hurt AEW? I will admit I do not watch the internet shows. I've seen them before and I saw the results down there on Dynamite. But what does that prove? It proves that you've got such a large talent base right now that you're putting half on the internet which is only going to be like, what, a third of the people listening or watching it versus national television where you got two-thirds of the audience watching the talent. <laughs> and let me just say this. That could be a recipe for disaster because that one-third could leave and go to Impact or may go to a third organization and thrive on there. So you got to remember, yeah, you got your internet shows, you need to build those internet shows because I don't even watch it myself. Make me invest in what I want to watch out of those in internet shows. Make me say, okay, I'll take a look at this. But right now, no, I'm not interested in your internet shows. And that's a third of your talent that I'm not watching, that I'm not paying attention to. Give me some reason why this one-third talent is worthy to watch on the internet. You may bring in a couple stars. That's great. But for how long? One week? Two weeks? I mean, give me some type of investment. Maybe put some of them on Dynamite to build a storyline to make me watch the internet shows on pay-per-view. Not on pay-per-view, excuse me, on the internet, on YouTube. 
So YouTube is a powerful device. Trust me. I do my shows on YouTube and it gets results. But it's how you use your internet show. So it's somewhat hurting right now. The only cor correction I see making is put some of that one-third talent sporadically on your main shows to help build the storylines so that the fans can tune into the internet and increase your viewership. And that is AEW for this week. We'll take another timeout. Coming up, Brock Lesnar, he's back. Plus, I'll talk about the Street Profits and Sami Zayn. <laughs> oh, boy. We'll be right back with more Saturday evenings with the Nitro in just a moment. Hello, everybody. I'm Paul the Nitro Scovers here. Let me tell you about Anchor.fm. It's free. It's easy. If you want your own podcast to be out nationwide or worldwide, this is the place to do it. Anchor.fm. You can build your own webcast, build, or excuse me, your podcast, promote episodes. You get it paid for it. That's right. You can make money off your own podcast. They got great sponsors. Plus, you can use their Spotify music to help with your episodes. They got great transitional music, etc., etc. Folks, what are you waiting for? It streams on all services like Spotify, Google, Apple, and all other Spotify or streaming services. What are you waiting for? Get your voice out there. Get your podcast out there. Anchor.fm. Hello again, everybody. I'm Paul DeNitro Scarvers. Welcome back to this edition of Saturday Evenings with the Nitro. Thank you so very much for joining us. Let's go to SmackDown. He's back. Brock Lesnar is back. And why this is going to be detrimental to Roman's career, because he knows that Brock Lesnar has his number. Brock Lesnar has more victories over Roman Reigns in their rivalry. Brock Lesnar is vicious. He is more animalistic than ever. He is determined to become the new universal champion. Roman Reigns, the tribal chief, the head of the table. His time's running out, folks. Whether you like it or not, his time is running out. And Roman Reigns, January 1st, 2022, could become the next universal champion. I think he will. Brock Lesnar is back. And he's on SmackDown, the number one, the A show, the number one show right now in the WWE. Now, whether that'll help the WWE against AEW, maybe it will, maybe it won't. But rest assured of this, Brock is back. And Roman Reigns can't seem to figure out how to beat him. Yeah, he got a couple spears in one time or another. But these days, his ego's gotten so big and so out there being the tribal chief the head of the table, that he cannot figure out how to beat Brock Lesnar. You can see the fear in his eyes. He still can't trust Paul Heyman. He's still questioning Paul Heyman. Did you know Brock Lesnar was here? Did you know Brock Lesnar got a suspension lifted? What do you know about it? No, my tribal chief. No, my tribal chief. When you know deep down inside that he was the one that did it. But once again, it's the ego. It seems like that's the repeat of each and every topic this week. Ego. Brock is back. Did you see him destroy Sami Zayn? I'll talk about Sami Zayn in a moment.
but he just went through him like nothing. And you think Roman Reigns being the tribal chief is going to beat that? No, I'm sorry, folks. This man will put the end to the tribal chief, the head of the table, and watch the bloodline get disintegrated in 2022 by Brock Lesnar. Brock is back. Moving on, let's talk about the Street Profits. Are they really going anywhere? When's the last time you saw the Street Profits get a title shot? Was it back in July or August? You see them feuding all the time with the Alpha Academy. You see them um, go up against Rude and Ziggler. Yeah, they're a good team, but where are they going? Where are they going? Are they going anywhere? Not really. I mean, the Soho Cops and all that stuff, they need to get serious as a team as far as I'm concerned because in order to move up to title contention and winning back the titles and rebounding, you got to start getting serious and try to win those belts. That's my opinion about the Street Profits for this week. And on a closing note, let's talk about good old Sami Zayn, Mr. Conspiracy himself. Is the conspiracy on himself? Yes. Isn't it quite obvious that the conspiracy is on himself because he hasn't succeeded in how long? <laughs> I mean, we're talking about maybe a year or two that he's had any type of success. It seems like he's showing the lower middle card and he's staying there. <laughs> Excuse me. And he's blaming everyone else. It's a conspiracy against Sami Zayn. It's a conspiracy. Oh, no, no, no. It's them, not me. Issue. Because you ain't winning matches. Brock Lesnar destroyed you on SmackDown after you somehow won a battle royal by not by staying on the floor. Oh, that's smart. No, it's called a chicken, brother. That's a chicken. You should have stayed in there and fought. But, of course, Sami Zayn will come up with an excuse. Yeah, but that's smart. That's why I'm a master strategist. No, you're not. Have you won anything significant in about a year? Maybe a brief run as Intercontinental Champion, but that's about it. Conspiracy? And what's this conspiracy movie or something like that? Don't you think that angle's so long overdrawn and overrated now that it needs to put an end to this? You want to talk about conspiracy, Sami Zayn? It's on yourself. Now, in order to break the conspiracy, maybe start winning some significant matches. That's all I'm saying. Sami Zayn's conspiracy is on himself. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, we're going to take, that's it for SmackDown for this week. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll talk about what's going on in my YouTube channel, as well as my column, Sunday Mornings with the Nitro. And then it's this week in wrestling history. And don't forget our parting shot this week on the WWE's Day 1 pay-per-view. More of Saturday evenings with the Nitro in just a moment. Well, how about those memories? Yes, I'm going to show the episodes that, are, that featured the famous segments that I was talking about earlier. I hope you enjoyed that last one. With the promo of the decade with MJF versus CM Punk. 
We're going to take a time out. More great memories on part one of this 100th episode of Saturday Evenings with the Nitro after this time out. Hello again, everybody. I'm Paul the Nitro Skyvers here. Out now on my YouTube channel, www.youtube.com slash paulskyvers is all new episodes of From the Mind of the Nitro and Nitro Memories. First, on From the Mind of the Nitro, I'll give you my top six picks for the PWI Wrestler of the Year nominees. It's starting to get to that season now where the nominees are going to be announced. Excuse me there. And I will give you my six picks for nominees for Wrestler of the Year. And then on Nitro Memories, it's July 1988. The Great American Bash had a shocking ending and, and a controversial end to a world title match. Meanwhile, in the WWF, the heat is on as we're on the road to the first ever SummerSlam as a former World Wrestling Federation champion made his return to action. All this and more coming up, This and that is out now. On my YouTube channel, that's from the Mind of the Nitro and Nitro Memories. On my YouTube channel, www.youtube.com slash paulskyvers. Tune in next week for my next date for new videos to be released. Don't miss it. Be there. Hello again, everybody. I'm Paul the Nitro Skyvers. As you noticed by now, Anchor has been is no more. It is now Spotify for podcasters. And I want to take this opportunity to congratulate Spotify for taking up on Anchor. And folks, it's the same as Anchor ever was, but now it's Spotify for podcasters. It's still free to use. It's easy to set up. You can make money off of it. You have analytics of how, how your show is doing. You can ask poll questions to your audience. And it streams on all services, including Spotify. And I want to take this opportunity to thank you folks for tu- tuning in for the past 100 episodes of Saturday Evenings with the Nitro. Now on Spotify for podcasters. Welcome back everyone to part one of the 100th episode of Saturday Evenings with the Nitro. It is the best of Saturday Evenings with the Nitro. Let us continue on with the memories of Saturday Evenings with the Nitro right now. Hello again everybody. I'm Paul the Nitro Skyvers and welcome to us to this special Sunday morning edition of Saturday Evenings with the Nitro. Thank you so very much. We got a big show today. It's all about the Royal Rumble, and that's what we're going to be talking about. We'll break it down match by match, including the Royal Rumble itself, order of entry, order of elimination, and my thoughts about it. So we got a pretty big show, so let's get right into it. We'll start with the pregame show that started <clears throat> at 7, 8, uh, 7 p.m. last night. And it always started out with the same historical packages. It's all in the numbers. Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar. We haven't heard that before unless you haven't seen Raw or SmackDown. That's all they did throughout the entire pregame show. 
But Booker T had an interesting point when Sonya Deville comes out there, and more about her later in the show. He had the best point of the night towards Sonya Deville. You have a conflict of interest. You're in the Royal Rumble match, but yet you're a WWE official. Here's Sonya Deville. When the jacket is on, I'm an official. You will respect my my official status. When the jacket's off, I'm a competitor. Does it sound stupid to you all? I think it sounds like a conflict of interest. But again, more about her later in the show. Just continuous historical packages. It was kind of a bit boring as far as I'm concerned. Then they showed <laughs> Johnny Knoxville on Jimmy Kimmel Live. He's saying that uh, he wants to be world champion and watch out for all the other competitors. First off, Andy Kaufman was a way better wrestler than you ever were, Johnny Knoxville. He was going to get destroyed in the Rumble. Absolute disgrace to professional wrestling. You're a Hollywood actor, as I mentioned last week on our show. You're a actor. You're an actor. You're not a wrestler. You're a C-rated actor. Get real. Go back to Hollywood. Go do stupid stuff. I don't care. You're not a wrestler. And then the post-match comments afterward, I'll explain that later in the show. But really, I was like, look at you, man. Give me a break. More about him later in the show. And then as soon as the pregame show is just about order, they announced that Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins will open up the show. Really creative? Is this how you're going to book the show? You should have start with the mixed tag first. The mixed tag first. And you put the mixed tag fourth before the main event itself. Why? Why? Put your two world title matches and then your two Royal Rumble matches. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. Creative screws up again. But what can you expect out of creative? And that ends the pregame show. Completely boring, except for that best point of the night from Booker T. Otherwise, it's just historical packages to get you ready for the rumble. The rumble. Get real. Okay. Unbelievable with this pregame show. So what we're going to do, because it's going to be very lengthy, I'm going to take my first commercial break. When we come back, we will start with the Royal Rumble. And the Universal title is on the line. Why did they ever book it first? I'll never know. After this, time out. Hello, good everybody. I'm Paul Nitro Skyvers. Don't forget to check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash paulskyvers. From the mind of the Nitro, this month we'll take a look at the road to WrestleMania. What are we looking for? On that road to WrestleMania. Plus, on Nitro Memories, we look back at May 1987. The fallout from WrestleMania 3 continues, as well as the Jim Crockett Sierra Memorial Cup Tag Tournament fallout, and so much more. It's Nitro Memories. So don't forget to check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash paulskybers from the mind of the Nitro. And Nitro Memories will be out February 20th. <clears throat> Hello again, everybody. I'm Paul Nitro Skyvers. And whatever road you are on towards enlightenment, towards knowledge, maybe towards WrestleMania, whatever road you're on, 
Come to Anchor.fm. We got original podcasts, including mine, Saturday evenings with the Nitro, as well as well to get you on the road to wherever you lead. And for me, it's WrestleMania season for me. So don't forget, it's free. And if you want to pave your own road, meaning your own podcast, go to Anchor.fm. It's free. It's easy to set up. What are you waiting for? Get on the road today at Anchor.fm. Welcome back, everyone, to this edition, special Sunday morning edition of Saturday Evenings with the Nitro. Thank you so very much for joining us. Let's get started with the pay-per-view itself. It was an okay opening to the show, cold opening, of course. It's all about the numbers. It's all about the chance to go to WrestleMania. We all know that. Official attendance that night has announced 44,390. That's the first significant crowd I've seen in the United States this year for a wrestling event. And we get started with the first match of the night. The Universal title was on the line. Roman Reigns defending against Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins picks up the win, although it was by disqualification in 14 minutes and 34 seconds. And at the beginning of the match, Seth Rollins came in through the crowd using that shield entrance. Very interesting, playing the mind games with Roman Reigns. And it was just all psychological warfare right there. I mean, they used the, Seth used the table bomb, driving a, Roman Reigns through the table first three minutes into the match. Now, that's interesting because normally you see your table spots, what, 10, 15 minutes into the match as a turning point. But the first three minutes of the match, hmm, very interesting. So Roman gets disqualified by refusing to break the chokehold guillotine when Seth put his hand on the rope. The referee was right there. He counted the five. Ding, ding, ring the bell. Roman gets disqualified, but he wasn't done yet. Roman Reigns beats up Rollins with a chair after the match. I mean, he bent that chair all over Seth Rollins and left him lying. Pretty good match to start out the show, as far as I'm concerned. And more about Roman Reigns later on in the show. It's going to be real interesting as far as Seth Rollins goes. Pretty good match, but we'll see where... Seth freaking Rollins goes now on Raw coming up this Monday night. But a great effort by Seth Rollins. Again, he wins the match by disqualification in 14 minutes and 34 seconds over Roman Reigns. Of course, Roman keeps the Universal Championship. Then we get into the WrestleMania spot here. We're 63 days away for WrestleMania. And coming up at the end of this broadcast, I'll tell you something about what I'm going to be doing for my road to WrestleMania near the end of the show. So please stay tuned. And then let's move on. Second match of the night, the 30-woman Royal Rumble. Are you serious? Why didn't you put that fourth before the men's Royal Rumble? Why are they having this second? I don't get creative's way of, of uh, booking the matches and stuff like that. The order of the matches. Why are you putting this second? Why? That could have been either semi-main event or main event. Why? But again, 
This is the creative department of the WWE screwing up every time. So let's get right into it. I'm going to announce the order of entry and then the order of elimination, and I'll give you my thoughts afterward. <clears throat> Here we go. The order of entry. Sasha Banks entered first in the Royal Rumble, followed by the return of Molina. Then number three was Tamina Snuka. Number four was the return of Kelly Kelly. Number five was Aaliyah. By the way, Aaliyah 317 t-shirt. <laughs> That's going to be real interesting to sell. I wonder what Stone Cold Steve Austin says about that. It Maybe it was his idea. I don't know. Uh, Liv Morgan came in at number six. Queen Selena came in at number seven. Bianca Belair came in at number eight. Dana Brooke came in at number nine. Michelle McCool made a return at number 10. Sonya Deville came in at number 11. Natalia came in at number 12. Cameron came in at number 13. Naomi came in at number 14. Carmella came in at number 15. Rhea Ripley came in at 16th. Charlotte Flair entered 17th. Ivory was 18th. That's right, Ivory, right to center. More about that in a few moments. Brie Bella came in at number 19. Mickey James, the Impact Wrestling Knockouts Champion, came in at number 20. More about her in a little bit. Alicia Fox made a return at number 21. Nikki Ash, almost a superhero, but I call her Nikki Ash, is number 21. Or number 22, excuse me. Summer Ray made a return at number 23. Nikki Bella came in at number 24. Sarah Logan made her return at number 25. Lita came in at number 26. Molly Holly, the real superhero in my mind, came in at number 27. And then Ronda Rousey came in at number 28. More about her in just a little bit. Shotzi Blackheart came in at number 29. And Shayna Baszler got the number 30 number in the Royal Rumble. Order of elimination goes as follows. Molina by Sasha Banks. Kelly Kelly by Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks by Queen Selena. Dana Brooke by Michelle McCool. Tamina by Natalia Neidhart. Cameron by Sonya Deville. Sonya Deville by Naomi. Carmella by Rhea Ripley. Selena, Queen Selena by Rhea Ripley. Aaliyah by Charlotte Flair. Naomi by an illegal assist outside by Sonya Deville. More about that in a minute. Ivory by Rhea Ripley. <clears throat> Michelle McCool by Mickey James. Summer Rae by Natalia. Alicia Fox by the Bella Twins. Sarah Logan by the Bella Twins. Liv Morgan by the Bella Twins. Mickey James by Lita. Molly Holly by Nikki Ash. Uh, Nikki Ash by Ronda Rousey. Nikki Bella by Brie Bella. Brie Bella by Ronda Rousey. Shotzi Blackheart by Ronda Rousey. Natalia Nyhart by Bianca Belair. Lita by Charlotte Flair. Rhea by Charlotte Flair. Shayna Baszler by the Queen Charlotte Flair. Bianca Belair by Charlotte Flair. And finally, Charlotte Flair by Ronda Rousey, which means Ronda Rousey wins the Royal Rumble in 59 minutes and 51 seconds. <clears throat> Let me get a sip of water here for a sec. 
Uh, let me give you my thoughts on this. First off, Molina was a surprise to the World Rumble. Nice to see her there. Uh, looks good. Uh, competed well, although she was one of the first to be eliminated by Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks being number one. Now, that's interesting. I guess she must have had the bad luck of the draw, I guess, or creative again. I don't know why. Unique outfit, by the way, by Sasha Banks. But why would you put her at number one? She just made her return. Shouldn't it be down the line further that she entered the Women's Royal Rumble? <clears throat> the one mistake I saw most of the competitors make that night, they're wasting time. They're pointing to the sign. Don't you? And I'll have more about pointing to that sign in a minute. Up there gesturing, wasting time, pointing to the sign. That's a mistake. You never turn your back on your opponent. Because if you do, you get thrown over the top rope. Really? Unreal. Sasha Banks' elimination early in the match was shocking. Is this the way you treat the boss upon her comeback? After all, she suffered a knee, uh, a sprained uh, knee, I believe, at the hands of Charlotte Flair, and you put her back in the Royal Rumble and have her eliminated early? Why? Why? Uh, I'm going to have to look further into that situation. I've got a funny feeling something's going on here. Something is going on. Sonya Deville should not be in the Rumble. Let me tell you something. You're an official. You lost to Naomi Friday night on SmackDown. You lost. You can't handle it. So what do you do? Oh, I'm going to enter myself in the Royal Rumble. I'm going to get you, Naomi. I don't know what her beef is, what her beef is with everyone. Oh, my gosh. She's crying sour grapes because she lost to Naomi. She does commentary before entering the match. And by the way, the referee was sucked. It sucked. Absolutely sucked. They had no enforcement out there. She did the commentary before the match starts. Really? Oh, because her suit's on? The referee should say, you have 10 to get in there or you're out. I remember back in 1980, Jerry Calhoun did the Tommy Rich, who decided to be a, <clears throat> be a jerk and not enter a battle wall for the TV trophy. Referee says, hey, you got 10 seconds or you're out of here. He counted 10. You're out of here, Tommy Rich. That's exactly what should have happened. The 10 count and Sonya Deville should have been eliminated. But that is stupid BS. That is such BS. Stupid. She had the jacket on. Well, she decides to enter the rumble when she feels like it. Really? Really? When Cameron shows up. Let me talk about Cameron. She was part, excuse me, part of the Funkadactyls back in the day, eight years ago. Hasn't been seen in over eight years. She looked in good shape and was competing in the role with Sonya Deville. Decides, oh, now it's time to eliminate a friend of Naomi. She did and eliminated Cameron. Really? I swear, if they don't do something with Sonya Deville, I swear, oh, give me a break. That's why the referee sucked in that match. Sonya Deville should have never been in the World Rumble. Abuse of power. Abuse of power. Come on now. <clears throat> and, of course, Naomi illegally eliminated when Sonya Deville got eliminated. And Naomi was trying to get herself back in the ring. She had not, Her feet had not touched. Here comes Sonya Deville. Snatches her to the floor. It's like, and the referee sit there and watched it. Right there and watched it. This is why the referee sucked that night. Give me a break. Sonya should have sent back to the locker room immediately. Immediately. And this is the thanks we get. 
That I'm telling you right now, it's going to come down to a cage match between those two. Something has got to be done with Sonya Deville. Period. End of story. Ivory, the right to center sensor gimmick. Just absolutely love it. That's old school right there. Attitude Erin. She's right. The women here need to take a look at themselves, you know? You need to take a look at yourselves. That's what Ivory's trying to convey in a right to censor. Can you imagine the right to censor returning to this era's WWE? Oh, my goodness gracious. Wouldn't that be something? That would make sense. It would make sense. Oh, I keep forgetting. This is creative, people. This is the creative department where it does not make sense. But... If I was creative, right to center would have returned. Fresh new stable. Um, taking on today's topics in a controversial manner. But no, this is creative. I'm not part of creative. This is their creative department. Really? You're, you're missing the boat. I'm telling you, you're missing the boat here. Mickey James brought the Impact Women's title with her to the ring. That's an historical first. That was awesome. That right there makes a statement that, hey, Impact Wrestling is here. We're on television. We're on Access TV. Come watch us, please. And I'll tell you one thing. that That's a pretty good advertisement. Good move by Impact Wrestling. That's an excellent move right there. And I'm glad that Mickey James did well in the Royal Rumble. Represented Impact Wrestling pretty well. Michelle McCool, another one that had a great effort in the Royal Rumble. Very surprised by her. Looked in shape. Ready to go, focused, very good job by her. Now, finally, on to Ronda Rousey. A secret that was not kept well, apparently. We all knew she was going to come back, what, a week before? Oh, my God, really? And now she'll face Charlotte at WrestleMania. I guarantee that. Charlotte Flair, Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. Oh, my goodness. Um, Ronda Rousey, okay, whatever floats your boat, folks, uh, I don't know, but I'll tell you one thing, yeah, she won the Royal Rumble, let's see how she reacts when she returns to the SmackDown brand this Friday, because you know she's going after Charlotte Flair and the SmackDown Women's title WrestleMania, I guarantee you that much, maybe throwing Becky Lynch in there, but then that's creative, they'll rehash ideas, Hopefully, they'll have some new slant to it, I hope. Overall, the Women's Royal Rumble was a good match. Solid, plenty of surprises, except for Sonya Deville cheating. But anyway, uh, one thing I want to point out, pointing at that WrestleMania sign, oh, I'm going to WrestleMania, way overrated, overrated, stop it. Really, we know you're going to WrestleMania. Everybody's going to WrestleMania. Stop pointing at the sign at WrestleMania. I'm going to WrestleMania. We already know that. Oh, my dear Lord. Anyway, we're going to take a time out here. When we come back, we'll have more of our coverage of the Royal Rumble. Please stay tuned. Moving on now from that, it's time for the main event. But before that, WrestleMania 2023, next year, April 1st to 2nd, Hollywood, California at SoFi Stadium. We'll see if they could get 50000 in there next year. The main event of the evening for night number one, of course, was the KO Show with Stone Cold Steve Austin as the guest. 
And I got to tell you, Kevin Owens played a true heel. Great stuff. I mean, just fantastic stuff. The timing was good. He was a he was a real a hole for the to the audience. It was just tremendous. And when Stone Cold came out there, Kevin Owens sat in his chair, completely ignored him. Oh, he's coming out there. He's going to switch some beer as if I haven't seen that before. He comes in there, kicks the sign down. What the hell are you doing, son? You don't kick down my sign. This is Stone Cold. Kevin Owens talking to you, son. Don't do that again. Austin climbing on the turnbuckle. Have we heard this before? Are you finished yet? And then KO right there with the interruption there. Uh, excuse me. This is the KO show. You're my guest. Go sit down. <laughs> Beautiful. Brilliant. And, of course, Austin bringing out the hits. He does not even phase Owens, as I mentioned earlier. He was smooth. Owens carried that thing, and he met him halfway. Stone Cold, all he had to do was take care of the rest. And Owens is controlling the pace of it. It's brilliant. And Kevin got out right in his face, and he said even though he had a bad back, he had a bad back, he was looking for a fight. That, that That's manly. Because he had a bad back during, during training. Because he knows he wants to be in a fight. He took full advantage of the opportunity that was presented to him. And, of course, he met Stone Cold more than halfway and made Austin's life much easier. Then he challenged Austin to a no-holds-barred fight. I mean a fight. And Steve Austin being drinking another lager, Stone Cold's ale, or whatever the heck it's called, he told him, you want me to whoop his bleep bleep that piece of bleep Austin. And Owen's like, really? You're going to bring out that hit again? <laughs> anyway, Stone Cold accepted. That's right. Stone Cold got in the ring one more time. It was the bonus matchup. Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Stone Cold Kevin Owens. And in the end... Steve Austin got the win in 13 minutes and 40 seconds. Austin was putting in a good fight. I mean, but Kevin Owens really carried that whole thing. The match, the promo. This guy is a megastar right now. He is right up there, right at the echelon, the CM Punk level. Post-2014, money in the bank. I'm talking way up here, people. Best match of the night. Kevin Owens, Stone Cold Kevin Owens, carrying Steve Austin throughout the night as far as I'm concerned. I wish Kevin would have gotten the win, but I can understand that. Kevin Owens is a professional. He knows what he is doing. As I mentioned, he is a megastar right now. And if the WWE fumbles with this, I am not going to be happy at all. And trust me, I'll be on them like a hard rain. You need to push Kevin Owens now. And with that in mind, we're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, night one's complete. We got one more night to go. That's night two coming up in just a moment. Hello again, everybody. I'm Paul Nitro Skyvers. I want to take this opportunity to thank everyone that tuned in to the From the Mind of the Nitro WrestleMania Marathon. We had a great time producing it for you folks and bringing it out there on YouTube. But now it's on the business. And that is from the Mind of the Nitro and Nitro Memories. New episodes drop Saturday, April 16th. First, 
on From the Mind of the Nitro. I give you my spring predictions. Now that WrestleMania is over, I'll tell you what could happen leading up to Memorial Day weekend. That's From the Mind of the Nitro. And then on Nitro Memories, we'll look back at June 1987, the introduction of the War Games, the match beyond. Hulk Hogan fighting Harley Race, the King Harley Race, in a Texas death match and the beginning of the reign of the Honky Tonk Man as the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. That's on Nitro Memories, so new episodes of From the Mind of the Nitro and Nitro Mem Memories drop Saturday, April 16th. Go to www.youtube.com slash Skyvers today. Hello again, everybody. I'm Paul DeNitro Skyros here for Anchor.fm. And for you folks that want to do a podcast, this is the place to be. It's free. It's easy. It's simple to set up. You can make money off of it. And it streams on all services. Google, Spotify, Apple, and other streaming services. Come aboard today. Anchor.fm. Welcome back, everyone, to this edition of From the Mind, of, excuse me, of Saturday Evenings with the Nitro. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> A little slip up, but it always happens. Um, welcome back, everyone. We're glad that you could join us. Loaded show today, and now we're in the night two of WrestleMania after yet another <clears throat> two-hour pregame show. And don't forget, in the end, I'm going to tell you how many times I said the, they said the word stupendous for both nights. Oh, Lord. But we start night two with the national anthem by country music star Jesse James Decker. Great job by her. Tremendous. Good start for night two. Then, of course, it's a replay of night one with Mark Wahlberg opening. A the sequel, the secret to the sequel, is plenty of action, as if we did not know that. And that's their opening for night two of WrestleMania. And it starts out with Triple H coming out there, just saying thanks to the fans and welcoming everyone to night two of WrestleMania. And he leaves his boots in the ring, which means that his in-ring wrestling career is now over. That was a nice gesture by Triple H to the audience right there. And WrestleMania Night 2 opens with the triple threat match for the Raw Tag Team titles as RK Bro defeated the Alpha Academy and the Street Profits in 11 minutes and 36 seconds. And it was an okay type of bout. Now we find out who can beat RK Bro in the near future. And then Gable Stevens. Uh, came in the ring to help celebrate that great victory when Chad Gable comes out there and says, shush, shush, and gets in Gable Stevenson's face. Gable Stevenson hooked up belly-to-belly -belly suplex. Out goes Chad Gable out of the ring. Yeah, we'll have to see how good he is when he makes his Raw debut, whenever that may be. Moving on now to the next bout of the night, it was Omos taking on the almighty Bobby Lashley with Bobby Lashley pulling an upset, winning it in 6 minutes and 40 seconds. That's a huge upset, folks. I mean huge. 
And with that, you can bet that Bobby Lashley will be back in the talk for world title contention. I mean, it's undeniable now. And we wonder if almost will bounce back. Well, he did sort of. And I'm going to say that for next week's episode of Saturday Evenings with the Nitro. Stay tuned next week. I'll tell you more about that. Moving on now to the next matchup. And oh, brother. <laughs> oh, my God. The anything goes match between Sami Zayn and the man that is disgracing professional wrestling as we know it, folks, Johnny Knoxville. And wouldn't you know it, Johnny Knoxville picked up the win in 14 minutes and 31 seconds. This is the worst match I have ever seen in my entire life. I told you people they were going to disgrace this business, and by God, they did. Let's face facts. Johnny Knoxville is a joke. Same outfit he wore in the Rumble. Same outfit. Are you serious? Couldn't you wear a different outfit? You probably didn't wash it. Oh, my God. And weapons. The weapons. Are they necessary for this joke of a match? I mean, come on. The giant hand. The mousetrap on the table. Really? You really need that for a joke of a match like that? The taser gun. I'm telling you, man, he should have been arrested for that. That's a that's a weapon right there. That's a real weapon. Come on, don't be don't be a fool. You know that's a weapon. You can sense it. I mean, come on. And it made me be ashamed to be a fan to witness this BS of a match. Seriously. The hand. We man come in there slamming Sammy Zane. What the hell? Really? Really? You're going to waste our time with this crap. And it's pure crap. It's no good. It's crap. Swear to God, worst match of all time. Sami Zayn's career is done, dude. I don't know how in the heck he's going to come back from this. I don't know how he's going to be credible. I know Johnny Knoxville. Oh, I'm not done with Sami Zayn. Please go away, Johnny. Seriously, I'm telling you straight out. Go back to Hollywood. Create those crappy movies. Get out of the business, kid. You don't belong here. Get out. Now. Seriously, you made it a joke. Really? Uh, I'm done with it. You know what? I am so done with it. I'm wiping my hands clean of this crap, and it is crap. I'm sorry. It was the worst match of all time. Didn't need to be there in the first place. Ugh. Ugh. Anyway, let's move on to something more pleasant, shall we? Uh, next match of the night was a fatal four-way match for the women's tag team titles as uh, Selena Vega and Carmella, the most beautiful woman in all the WWE, defended against Naomi and Sasha Banks versus Natalya Neidhart and Shayna Baszler versus Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan. And in the end, we have new... Women's Tag Team Champions, Sasha Banks and Naomi won it in 10 minutes and 51 seconds. Great entrance, by the way, by Sasha Banks coming in that nice sweet ride, that Ferrari. 
Look real nice. Nice touch. And Carmelo's outfit, from what I heard from Corey Banks or Corey Graves, yeah, Corey Graves. I'm sorry. Um, he said that the outfit is an homage to Madonna. Really, really, do you really have to say that now? We know you're getting married next week. Can we please focus on the match? Focus, people. Focus. Good match overall. Congratulations to Naomi and Sasha Banks. I think they're going to have a lengthy reign as the WWE SmackDown or the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. Congratulations to them. Well, we're going to take a time out here. We're in the middle of night two of WrestleMania and still to come some AEW opinion this week. CM Punk, Tony Storm's back. I'll talk about that and Probably what tag team wrestling's all about. FTR versus the Briscoe Brothers. All good stuff. All this and more coming up on Saturday evenings with the Nitro after this timeout. Hello, everybody. I'm Paul the Nitro Skyvers here. Don't forget my Facebook group, facebook.com slash Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings with the Nitro. All the podcast episodes, all the columns that I write. On Saturday, on Sunday mornings with the Nitro will be there. Plus, new exclusive content only available on the Facebook group. You can come join the fun. It is free. Just type in Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings with the Nitro and click join and join us. It is free. I'll have exclusive video content only available on my Facebook group in the next couple weeks. Stay tuned in the next couple weeks. I'll tell you more about it. That's Facebook.com slash Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings with the Nitro. Hello, everybody. I'm Paul DeNitro Skyrus here for Anchor.fm. And if it's anything you want to listen to, comedy, um, food, um, world news, professional wrestling, football, it's all here at Anchor.fm. How about joining in the fun and creating your own podcast? I know you want to create your own podcast. Come join us. It's free. It's easy to set up. And you can make money off of it. And it streams on all services. Spotify, Google, Apple, and other streaming services. Come join the fun at Anchor.fm. I had to get a swig of coffee there. Hello, get it. Welcome back, everyone, to Saturday Evenings with the Nitro. Thanks so much for joining us. We're in the middle of night two of this WrestleMania postgame show. So let's begin. Um, the fifth match of the evening was AJ Styles taking on Edge. A pretty good matchup, very good matchup, with Edge scoring the win at 24 minutes and 43 seconds. Thanks to Damian Priest, of all people, providing the distraction. I guess a new alliance will be born with Damian Priest and Edge. That's an interesting faction to watch out for in the near future. But Edge got the win, 24 minutes and 43 seconds over AJ Styles. Crisp, fast-paced action, great spots, good hard work. Pick, Edge picking up the win, as I said, in 24 minutes and 43 seconds over AJ Styles. Great matchup. 
Next up, the official attendance was announced for night two of WrestleMania. Once again, it did not reach that 100,000 fans mark, but it came close, 78,453 fans. Great job, Vince. You didn't make the 100,000, but you sure came close. Then a promo for the next pay-per-view, WrestleMania, or as they call it, premium event. It's a pay-per-view. It's a pay-per-view. Get that? It's the WrestleMania Backlash. It comes up May 8th, exclusively on Peacock. Why they just simply call it Backlash? Oh, no, it's the WrestleMania Backlash. Just say Backlash. Instead of premium, call it it is is a pay-per-view. My God. Next up, Sheamus and Rich Holland taking on the New Day. It was kind of a throwaway match. Uh, Sheamus and Rich Holland defeated the New Day in 1 minute and 42 seconds after they jumped the New Day before the bell even rang. I mean, it was just a throwaway match, so we're going to move on there. But Sheamus and Rich Holland... Beat the New Day in 1 minute and 42 seconds. Next up, Pat McAfee taking on Austin Theory, Mr. Selfie himself. Mr. McMahon makes an appearance to introduce Mr. Selfie himself. And I told you that he would have a video wall with him and all his selfies as his entrance, Austin Theory. Pat McAfee picks up the win, by the way, in another upset in 9 minutes and 40 seconds. My God, Pat McAfee is impressive. He could be a pro now. Great work by him. Great timing. He knows how to execute his moves. He got in good physical condition. He went and went, and that was a good thing. I mean, Pat McAfee is ready to be a pro right now. Great action. He picked up the win over Austin Theory. But then Mr. McMahon had to go try to be a macho man with his 75-year-old body trying to go all jack. Vince, this is not 1998, dude. You're not facing Stone Cold Steve Austin. More about him in a minute. But he comes in there. He does not like the fact that Pat McAfee got the win. So Mr. McMahon... Has to take off the jacket, the shirt, trying to look all buff and badass. (laughs) Oh, jeez. And then they have a match. Mr. McMahon scores the win in 3 minutes and 28 seconds after Austin Derry jumped Pat McAfee from behind and then crotched him into the ring post. It's not even a match at all. But then the glass hits. Yes, Making another appearance at WrestleMania, Stone Cold Steve Austin. He goes in there, puts a stunner on Austin Theory. He flies up and down there. Ooh, look at the flying person. Jeez. And then Miss McMahon got stunnered. Sloppy. Absolutely sloppy. Dude, Vince, you're 75 years old, dude. You don't need to be in the ring trying to pretend you're all jacked and ready to rock. Come on, dude. You need to just stay home, Vince. Stay home. And then Vince needs to just stay at home. And then Austin ends up stunning Pat McAfee. And, I mean, he sold the stunner pretty good. I must admit that. He sold the stunner very good. Just a classic moment. But in the end, Pat McAfee gets the win over Austin Theory in 
nine minutes and 40 seconds. A surprise win for him. Great effort by Pat McAfee. Well, we have come to the point now where it's time for our main event for night number two, the greatest WrestleMania match of all time. More of a power match. <laughs> Title unification match, Roman versus Brock. And in the end, the tribal chief, the head of the table, Roman Reigns, got the win in 13 minutes and 30 seconds. It was a physical matchup. I said it was all power versus power. Roman is now the unified universal champion. He got the win with the spirit after being caught in a Kimura, and Brock failed an F5 attempt. Roman, many people said, may have separated his shoulder. I saw the bump there. It may have happened. I don't know. But he seemed all right afterward. He must have put the shoulder back into place. We'll probably see Brock back at SummerSlam. And next week here on Saturday evenings with the Nitro, Roman Reigns will unveil his next step. I'll talk about that on the next episode. But all in all, Roman Reigns <clears throat> is now your unified universal champion. And no, it's not the, <clears throat> excuse me. No, it was not the greatest match in rest of all time. Sorry, that did not happen. But nonetheless, Roman Reigns is victorious. <clears throat> so overall, WrestleMania, night one and two, very good. Really enjoyed it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Pat McAfee, great win for him. I mean, night one with Stone Cold returning and Kevin Owens carrying him. Tremendous effort. Kevin Owens is a star now. The worst match of all time with Sami Zayn and John Knoxville. Blech. I'm not even going to get involved in it. To the title unification match. Overall, it was a very good WrestleMania. Probably top five of all time. And that is my post-game report. We're going to take a timeout. It's our final commercial break. When we come back, we're going to get into some AEW. We'll talk about CM Punk, the return of Tony Storm, and what tag team wrestling's all about, FTR versus the Briscoes. After this, timeout. Hello again, everybody. I'm Paul DeNitro Skyros here. Welcome to this edition of Saturday Evenings with the Nitro. Thanks so very much for joining us. We got a loaded show today, and I mean loaded. I'll talk about the AEW Forbidden Door pay-per-view predictions first. Then I'm going to get right into it. The Vince scandal, as I like to call it. This is probably the biggest scandal in the history of the WWE that I've ever seen in my life. This is huge. Also, I'll talk about Jeff Hardy's DUI arrest. Sasha Banks being released by the WWE. I'll talk about this week in wrestling history and a couple parting shots. Kind of a... Uh, I escaped from the norm this week because it's such a chaotic week this week. So let's just get right into it. Um, let's start with AEW's Forbidden Door pay-per-view, and it's this Sunday. I'm going to get through these predictions here. That is our main story. That, well, the Vince scandal is our main story, but as far as the wrestling end of it, this is our main story. It is Forbidden Door. AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling's combined pay-per-view this Sunday on pay-per-view. Call your local cable company for availability. Let us begin. We begin with the AEW. Um, I'll start from bottom to top. 
The AEW, the final, excuse me, the final. So the All Atlantic title will be on the line as Pac will meet Miro versus the New Japan Pro Wrestling representative versus the winner of the uh, Aleister Black or Penta match this Wednesday. I'm recording this, by the way, on a Tuesday just to get this done and get my thoughts out on the Vince scandal. So whoever wins that matchup, if you want to pick one of those, that's fine. Um, I've got a funny feeling that somehow Miro is going to pull out the win and become the All-Atlantic champion. This guy is looking for a huge comeback, and this is the perfect way to capitalize on it by being the first ever All-Atlantic champion. I don't know why they need the belt. They've already got enough as it is. Next up, the uh, six-man tag, uh, six tag. Uh, Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Minoru Suzuki take on Eddie Kingston, Wheeler Yuta, and Umino. Uh, I got a funny feeling that with Suzuki on your team, that's a bad you-know-what. This dude is double tough, double mean, and he will kick your butt and you will like it. Uh, I'm going to have to give it to Jericho's team on this one just because you got Minoru Suzuki on their team. Next up, the AEW women's titles on the line. Thunder Rosa defends against Tony Storm. This is going to be the bit. Probably one of the match of the year candidates. I think going in there, Tony Storm's got a lot of momentum. Thunder Rosa has been a fighting champion. This is going to be a good one. It's kind of a toss on this one. And I got to believe by somehow, someway, I think Tony Storm may just pull this out and become the new AEW Women's Champion. That's a, like I said, this is a match of the year candidate as far as I'm concerned. I think Tony Storm will pull it out and become the new AEW Women's Champion. Next up, the winner-takes-all match. The IWGP and Ring of Honor tag titles are on the line in a uh, triple threat match. United Empire takes on Rapungi Vice versus FTR. Now, I haven't seen much of United Empire, but from what I've heard, they're a solid team over in England. Uh, Rapungi Vice I've seen before, Beretta and... Um, uh, Beretta and... Um, Romero, they're a pretty solid team, but FTR is on a roll right now. FTR is the team to beat, folks. This is what tag team wrestling is. It's FTR. I think they're going to pull it out and become the new IWGP and retain their Ring of Honor tag team titles. Next up, Will Ospreay takes on Orange Cassidy. Uh, no contest here. Will Ospreay is just a fantastic athlete. I've seen him compete before. He's a great high flyer. He may, uh, he may be the next incarnation of Tiger Mask as far as I'm concerned. I think he also has an attitude that's just perfect for his style. Uh, Orange Cassidy is coming off a shoulder injury. I don't see much wrestling out of him these days. I don't know if he has any ability at all except put his hands in his pockets for some reason. Anyway, Will Ospreay pulls out the win on this one at Forbidden Door. And then the main event of the evening, the interim AEW title is on the line. Hiroshi Tanahashi, the ace, will take on John Moxley. I've seen Tanahashi before. He is the ace because he is that good. He's held every major championship in Japan. He is one of the top wrestlers. In the history of Japanese wrestling, 
John Moxley, of course, we know about Moxley, part of the Blackpool Fight Club, former AEW world champion. He wants that title back. I think it's going to be nip and tuck, but I think I'm going to pull for an upset. I would like to see Hiroshi Tanahashi, the ace, pick up the win and become the interim AEW world champion and have him face CM Punk somewhere down the road when CM Punk comes back from injury. And with that, that's our Forbidden Door pay-per-view predictions for the pay-per-view coming this Sunday live on pay-per-view. Well, we're going to take a timeout here. When we come back, I'm going to dive into this, folks. The Vince scandal, as I like to call it. Could this be the end of the WWE? I'm being real serious right now. Very serious. More after this. Timeout. Hello again, everybody. I'm Paul DeNitro Skyvers here. Coming up Saturday, August 6th, is all new episodes of From the Mind of the Nitro and the Nitro Corner. First, on From the Mind of the Nitro, I will have random thoughts after SummerSlam. What am I looking forward to as we head into the Labor Day weekend? You know, SummerSlam is going to be happening the week before the next episode of From the Mind of the Nitro will be released. I'll give you my afterthoughts on SummerSlam. Then on Nitro Memories, it's part two of our look back at 1987. Hulk Hogan faces the, one of his biggest challenges since becoming champion, besides Andre the Giant, of course, and that's the one-man gang. And also the man from the Orient, Killer Khan. Plus the macho man Randy Savage is rising in popularity, and that's shocking at that time. So that's from the mind of the Nitro, SummerSlam Afterthoughts, and Nitro Memories, Part 2 of July 1987, coming out Saturday, August 6th at www.youtube.com slash paulskyvers. Hello again, everybody. I'm Paul DeNitro Skyvers here for Anchor.fm. Folks, I'm getting ready to talk about the Vince scandal, as I like to call it. But if you want to hear other opinions about it, this is the place to be at Anchor.fm. We do have pro wrestling podcasts. And if you want to do your own podcast and give your own opinion, why not come here to Anchor.fm? It's free. It's easy to set up. You can make money off of it. And it streams on all services, Spotify, Google, Apple, and all other streaming services. Come aboard today at Anchor.fm. Hello again, everybody. I'm Paul the Nitro Scarvers. Welcome back to this edition of Saturday Evenings with the Nitro. Thank you so very much for joining us. Now, let's dive into this. I swear I am still in shock. This is real. This is very real. This has major, major ramifications. The Vince scandal, as I like to call it. The $3 million hush money to the former para- who had a relationship with Mr. McMahon. What is this all about? Well, let me tell you. The Wall Street Journal released an article about last week, around last week, about Vince McMahon secretly giving a former employee who was a para, uh, paralegal in his uh, legal department, $3 million to keep quiet. He also raised her salary from $100,000 a year in the first year to $200,000 the next year. Oh, by the way, you might be wondering where that salary money comes from. It's not from Vince's pocket. 
From what I know and what I read, it's from the investors. And that's a no-no because the investors did not okay that advance uh, salary from $100,000 to $200,000 in one year. Raises come, what, every year, but not that much over a year. Something was fishy. So the board of directors decided, uh-uh, no, no, no. I want a full investigation in this matter. This is ridiculous. You're using our money, and we didn't authorize that, and we didn't authorize that much money in advance of her salary. Unbelievable with that, Vince. And then I hear other stories now that has, I guess, collaborating evidence, like their producer Kevin Dunst being charged with insider trading. Now, if that's found to be true, that's serious jail time, folks. That's 10 years and a $5 million fine. Insider trading. And plus, that publicly traded stock, you know it's going to go down in um, price now. It's probably going to be worthless if this happens, or at least less worth than it was a year ago. Unbelievable. I mean, Vince McMahon, let's get right into the charges of these parties. As we mentioned, Kevin Dunn, allegedly insider trading of, of uh, stock, most notably the WWE stock, Vince McMahon, unauthorized use of, of investor money to raise that paralegal uh, salary for $100,000 to $200,000 a year, let alone that uh, $3 million payout. If it came from his pocket, that's fine, but that's a little... That's morally wrong, Vince, and says you allegedly had an affair with her. Aren't you a married man, Vince? Aren't you a married man? Yes, you are. And then well, for what I'm hearing, you and Linda have been um, living separately for, uh, for about, what, a year or two? Now, I'm not going to get into the personal matter of this. Lord knows we don't need to get into that dirty laundry. But good God almighty, I mean, there's a red flag right there. Oh, my God. And John Laurinaitis. Oh, my God. Uh, allegedly, Vince passed along his uh, fling to, jo uh, to John Laurinaitis like he was a little toy or something. That's what I heard. I'm sitting here thinking, you for real? You Really? Really? That's a little degrading, don't you think? And John Laurinaitis. I got no opinion about that, dude. Mr. Personality himself. Oh, my dear God. Man, now from what I heard, he got himself on administrative leave because of that. I bet, bet you he's going to be fired now. He may be fired. So let me uh, talk real quick about this investigative process from what I know. The board itself, the governing board, the investors, have hired an independent legal counsel to look into this raise in salary from $100,000 to $200,000 a year plus that $3 million payout. An independent third party has also been called in, totally neutral, for a comprehensive review of, com of a compliance program, HR function, and overall culture of the company. This is according to Rolling Stone magazine, by the way, which I read the article on the Vince thing. And also, also came from the Rolling Stone article, or excuse me, the Wall Street Journal article last week. 
So what they're going to probably do is they're going to do their investigation. They're going to put Vince in there. They're going to put John Laurinaitis in there. They're going to put the interim CEO, Stephanie McMahon. Oh, by the way, yes, Stephanie's back. She's now the interim CEO until this investigation closes. And I don't think she's going to last long after the investigation's over. She'll be the first one out the door wanting nothing to do with that. And more about that in a moment. But they're going to put them all in the room. The, invest, the head of the investigation is going to read the findings to the investors who will be there. And you better believe they're going to be real serious because that's their money that he's given to you. They have given to you, Vince, and they're not happy and they want to know those findings. Once those findings are revealed, the investor board will make a decision. Vince probably has the most power as far as voting rights go from what I've heard, but you can bet that the uh, the investors are going to tell Vince, you need to quit, Vince. You're nearly 80 years old. Look at the stock we got now. And now this crap, uh-uh, we're going to pull our money out if you don't quit right now. So that's how it's going to work probably. And um, don't count on, it's not concrete. I don't know the official process, but I'm just taking a guess at it, but. From what I've read, that's probably how they're going to do it. That's just my guess. Now, let me take a look at the fallout ramifications of this. Let's say Vince McMahon um, has been found guilty. And we know he's going to probably uh, found guilty. I don't know whether it'll be true or not. If he's found innocent, I'm going to be real surprised. And I don't know what he's going to pull out of his hat to justify raising a salary using investors' money. But anyway, if Vince is found guilty, you know the investors are going to be probably asking him to quit, to resign, to leave. And you could bet that Stephanie, as far as I'm concerned, is not going to be around as interim CEO much longer after that. She's going back home to her family. She's probably going to take a nice payout from the investors asking her, please step aside. We want to start new. We want to start fresh. And guess who's going to be running the organization? Like I mentioned last year, Nick Khan. That's right. Nick Khan is going to take over as CEO of the WWE. I'm telling you right now, Nick Khan takes over as CEO. Don't be too surprised. By, December, by the end of this year, in December 2022, we're going to hear some major talks with Disney. The company is going to be sold. I bet you the investors are going to sell so they can recoup their losses or whatever money they can um, get out of this. And Nick Khan is going to do his business sense and sell the WWE to Disney. And folks, that's going to be the end of the professional wrestling era in the WWE because you know what Disney's going to do. They're going to give with their woke culture. That's right, woke culture. And it's not going to be professional wrestling anymore. It's just going to be theatrics and it makes it look fake and all that type of stuff. WrestleMania, it's not going to have that same feel anymore. I'm telling you right now, if you ever listen to the Jim Cornette experience, listen to this week's episode, Jim nailed it right on the head. It's the end of the era of professional wrestling in the WWE, and I'm going to add on to it. Nick Khan is going to take over CEO, and he's going to sell it to the Disney Channel by December of this year. By the end of this year, he will sell it to Disney. And by January 2022, we may be seeing Disney 
uh, channel hosts WWE programming. Do you think the USA Network is going to be running raw anymore with their low ratings? And now this stuff going on? Uh-uh. No, no, no. I mean, come on now. We've already, they already been through enough with Grizzly Knows Best for crying out loud. And all their original programming, which is nothing more than reality mixed with Law and Order reruns. I mean, come on now. You think they're going to drop Raw? You better believe it. Low ratings. They're not going to be too happy with this one. I say the Disney um, the Disney Plus uh, app will carry Monday Night Raw. It's going to be the sport, real sports entertainment. It'll look fake. And SmackDown's going to go right along with them because you better believe that Fox is going to drop them probably by the time this sale happens. Don't be too surprised. And it's going to be a real shock to fans because now AEW is going to be the top organization. They already are now. They're going to be really the top organization. And let me get to my final point. Is this the end of the WWE? Yes. I think by the time Nick Khan sells it, don't be too surprised if he changes the name of World Wrestling Entertainment to some woke culture type of name. And yes, folks, Disney is woke if you haven't caught the news lately. Unbelievable. Wow. And think about this for a second here. Tony Khan. Tony Khan is going to be the man that puts an end to the Vince McMahon and the McMahon empire. Tony Khan and AEW. I am telling you right now, folks, this is just my opinion. I know there's going to be a million other opinions out there that are going to support WWE. All Vince is going to get through this. We'll have to wait and see. Folks, there's too much evidence against there based on what I'm reading these days. And look at his history. Look at his history. Hello? If you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. Gee, Vince, I wonder if you did not learn that lesson. Anyway, this is the end of the WWE. I can't believe I'm saying this, but by January 2023, don't be too surprised if Disney takes over the WWE. I'm telling you that right now. And if I'm wrong, I will say it on my podcast, the very first podcast of 2023. First episode of it. On 2020 in 2023, I will apologize for that. And that is the Vince scandal. I'll have more information as it comes. I know it's going to be a lot more on this. Unbelievable. I would never thought I would see today that Vince McMahon is going to be dropped and that Tony Khan, only three, four years of the business, would be the man to do it, along with Vince's own repeated stupidity of not learning from history because it dooms to repeat itself Vince. unbelievable unreal this is the biggest moment probably the biggest thing in the history of professional wrestling i am being serious right now very serious and that is my thoughts on the vince scandal like i said i'll have more information as it comes you could better believe there's a lot more coming down the pike with the WWE and Vince McMahon. Oh, by the way, Vince showing up on SmackDown and Raw 
Only 30 seconds. Look at the look on his face. He knows he got his hand caught in the cookie jar, folks. Look at his eyes. He's not into it. That's because he got his hand caught in the cookie jar. Oh, well, you didn't learn from your past, Vince, on that. Unreal. We're going to take a timeout now <laughs> to reload uh, and recharge because when I come back, Two more breaking stories throughout this chaotic week. Jeff Hardy's DUI arrest and Sasha Banks finally being released by the WWE. Yes, it did happen. I don't know why the WWE didn't announce it. I'll tell you why. Coming up on this edition of Saturday Evenings with the Nitro after this timeout. Well, folks. Hope you're enjoying this look back at some of the great memories of the best of Saturday evenings with the Nitro. And when we come back, my parting shots. Some of the best parting shots I think I've ever done on this podcast. More at this special part one of the 100th episode of Saturday evenings with the Nitro after this time out. Welcome back to this special part one of our 100th episode of Saturday Evenings with the Nitro. The best of Saturday Evenings with the Nitro. Two of my favorite columns, I must admit, that I always like to do on this show, or I should say segments, are This Week in Wrestling History, which takes a look back at what happened this particular day in professional wrestling during this expanded week because yes I am a fan of wrestling history and you should be too because wrestling history is good there's some good quality stuff on there folks with the legends of professional wrestling and of course my parting shots my last chance to dig into a subject and give it one last boot in the rear end and they go out the door so folks Get ready for these parting shots and this week in wrestling history combined. And I'll start off with my number one ranked parting shot on a correlation between Becky Lynch and McDonald's. Check it out. Hello everybody, I'm Paul the Nitro Skyrus coming up this Sunday morning. That's right, Sunday morning. On a special Sunday edition of Saturday Evenings with the Nitro, it is a double feature. First, it's my Elimination Chamber post-game report. Everything that happened in the Elimination Chamber, in my opinion, on the event as well. Then, at 11 a.m., it's a special edition of Saturday Evenings with the Nitro. It is the This Week in Wrestling History, the Daytona 500. What happened in wrestling history during the Great American Race? Well, you'll find out on a special double edition of Saturday Evenings with the Nitro. The set, uh, the Elimination Chamber postgame report will be released at 9 a.m. Sunday morning. And the special This Week in Wrestling History, the Daytona 500 edition, will be released at 11 a.m. Sunday morning. Now... A special bonus parting shot. Last night on Raw during the contract signing between Becky Lynch and Lita, 
I could not believe Becky Lynch come out there all disheveled. I thought something really was wrong, but apparently not. I I still can never understand why Becky Lynch would do something like this. She comes out here in her jammies, her little t- uh, uh, jammy, uh, pajama shirt and jammies, her jean jacket that she probably wore in high school, disheveled hair and sunglasses like she was making a morning run to McDonald's for an egg McMuffin, hash brown, and coffee with two creams and two sugars. And then getting all upset because she's got to face Lita at Elimination Chamber. So much so, um, so much so that she throws that contract and gets all angry, gets all angst over the fact that she's got to face Lita at Elimination Chamber in Saudi Arabia. Is this any type of way for a champion to act? Is this any type of way for a champion to work? To uh, to work? She's not being professional, really. Really? You look like somebody going through the drive-thru at McDonald's in the morning, getting an egg McMuffin, hash brown, and a medium coffee, two creams, and two sugars. Really, Becky? Really? Come on, you're the woman's champion, and you come with her all disheveled, saying that she hasn't had sleep in the last four days because... She's worried about her losing her title to Lita and all that stuff. Well, you're big time Bex and you want to resort to that? That's all your fault. So please, the next time you come out there as a champion, please dress and act professionally. Bobby Lashley does. You see him in a suit with his title belt looking professional, ready to go for the promo Monday night. You dressed in your jammies, your jean jacket that you probably wore in high school, disheveled hair, a cheap pair of sunglasses, looking like you're going to McDonald's to get an Egg McMuffin, hash brown, and a coffee with two creams and two sugars. Will you get me a break on that? Please dress and act professionally during a contract signing. That's all I ask. That is all I ask. And that's it for this bonus party shot. Thanks so much for joining us, and I'll see you Sunday for the double episode of Sunday on uh, Saturday evenings with the Nitro this Sunday morning. Hello again, everybody. I'm Paul the Nitro Skyvers here. Coming up this Saturday on Saturday evenings with the Nitro, I'm going to talk about theory. I'm going to talk about the Judgment Day. Our main story: two Hall of Famers are returning for one more match. Really. Plus, I'll talk about Raquel Gonzalez, This Week in Wrestling History, and a parting shot coming up this Saturday evening on Saturday Evenings with the Nitro here on Spotify and Anchor.fm. As I promised people on my Facebook page, um, as everyone knows by now, Sasha Banks and Naomi walked out on the WWE last night as they were supposed to be a part of a six-pack challenge for the WWE Women's Championship. And uh, I want to divulge into this tonight because I got a lot of things I got to get off my chest. I am not a very happy person. As as a matter of fact, I'm extremely pissed off about this situation. I am not happy at all with this. I'll read first the official statement by World Wrestling Entertainment, and I'll give you a little bit of the background. Uh, the main event last night was supposed to be the Six Pack Challenge to determine the new number one contender. For Bianca Belair's Raw Women's Championship, it's supposed to have been Naomi, Sasha Banks, Dewdrop, Nikki Ash, uh, Asuka, and Becky Lynch. 
in the six-pack challenge. Well, anyway, an hour into the show, uh, they were told they told us that Sasha Banks and Naomi packed their bags in a suitcase, threw their titles on the ground, and walked out the door. Now, that's the background. Here is the official WWE statement. I even written it down so I don't miss it word for word. So here it is, quoting from the WWE. When Sasha Banks and Naomi arrived at the arena this afternoon, they were informed of their participation in the main event of tonight's Monday Night Raw. During the broadcast, they walked into WWE Head of Talent Relations, John Laurinaitis, John Laurinaitis' office with their suitcases in hand, placed their tag team championship belts on his desk, and walked out. They claimed they weren't respected enough as tag team champions, and even though they had eight hours to rehearse and construct their match, they claimed they were uncomfortable in the ring with two of their opponents, even though they'd had matches with those individuals in the past with no consequence. Monday Night Raw is a scripted live TV show whose characters are expected to perform the requirements of their contract. We regret we were unable to deliver as advertised tonight's main event. End quote. Now that is the WWE's official statement. And I'll get break this down for you in a little bit. But let me read to you Naomi and Sasha's apparent response from a good friend of um, Naomi's who follows this person on Twitter. I'll read it verbatim. I'll, I'm crediting Dirt Sheet Radio's uh, Facebook group with this. So this is from at AdidasHead88 on Twitter, who is followed by Naomi, who apparently was given permission to share their side of the story. Quote, you are approached in February as being part as being put in a tag team after both being promised big feuds at WrestleMania. You bite the bullet and put everything you've got into being a tag team. It works. You get over, win the titles at WrestleMania and become merch pushers meaning they sell a lot of merchandise. Five weeks into your reign, you show up to live TV and ready to work. You are told you will, you will be in the main event and you are happy. You both are then told that one of, of will be going over from pinning the other. You have questions why that decision was made and how it helps y'all. You request a meeting with your boss to discuss it. Your boss takes the meeting and everything is actually going well. He understands your concerns. The meeting ends well, and the match is told to be reconstructed. For some reason, producers get mad about it. You then ask, with one of your members going over, what happens to your titles? You are told basically that you will just be carrying the belts. They want to use you both to help both women's champions get, get more over. Bianca versus Naomi, Sasha versus Ronda. Neither one of you will win the solo titles, and you won't defend your tag titles until Money in the Bank. You ask for another meeting with your boss, but this time you're being called spoiled. A producer walks away screaming. He comes back and tells both of you to fix your attitudes. Y'all have a brief meeting amongst yourselves and decide to stand up for yourselves. You go to another boss and make it clear you just have concerns. You ask, why are we even in the match and why aren't other women in it? You ask why your titles have no stories for two months. Again, you are met with fix your attitudes. 
So after one final meeting with yourselves and asking others, you make the ultimate decision as a team. It's sad how one side is trying to create a effed up narrative. Also, it was asked why were Nikki, Ash, and Dewdrop in the match instead of starting their program tonight? Naomi nor Sasha talked down about being in the ring with either one. I, IDK, how that got flipped, end quote. So the, that is both sides of the story, sort of speak, right now. Now, that, that was someone that was close to Naomi and Sasha via their Twitter page telling them that story. Well, I looked at both sides of the stories. I've listened to everybody out there, and it is quite obvious. This is real, folks. This is a shoot. This is not worked. This is real. Two, uh, two of the best women's wrestlers just walked out of, your, out of the WWE over the fact that they have not been respected as the tag team champions. You put the belt on them, creative, and I'll get to you in a minute, creative. Anyway... They walk right on. They got a right to walk out. As far as I'm concerned, I looked at both sides of the story. I'm sticking with Sasha and Naomi on this deal. They got a raw deal. The idea was, and I keep hearing it from other sources, that Naomi was supposed to pin Sasha to earn the title shot. What does that prove? They're the tag team champions. Once again, the tag team titles are absolutely useless. Useless. Really? Why put it on them in the first place when you're going to treat it as a useless title? Good grief, people. And then they changed the script. Well, Naomi could pin someone else. Sasha and Naomi, uh, they don't have to interact with each other. And Dewdrop and Nikki Ash don't have to interact with each other. Yada, yada. It was all screwed up. It was screwed up because Creative got lazy. And yes, I'm now going to go to Creative. You screwed up again, Creative. How many times, time after time, do I have to keep telling you people in creative that you suck? You suck. You took Stone Cold Kevin Owens, one of the best ideas, a four-week run, including WrestleMania, that made you money, and you dropped it like a bad habit. You keep dropping the ball, dropping the ball, and you probably had a nice smile on your face doing it. That's ridiculous. Now this, really, really Creative, you suck, man. You suck. You made the titles useless. Vince McMahon, give me a break, dude. You you told them to reconstruct the match. Obviously, the boss is Vince McMahon. You told them to reconstruct the match, and then the producers have a fit saying, you need to fix your attitudes. You know where that comes from. That comes from above. That's creative, folks. Those are the creative people, I'm telling you. Creative is right, just right below Vince as far as I'm concerned. And that's just my opinion, but I'm entitled to it. Creative is right below Vincent K. McMahon. And if they don't like any tests from any superstars, boy, they'll bury them with the pencil, don't they? They bury them with the pencil. They'll just erase them. Nah, we don't need you anymore. You've got an attitude problem. We don't like you. Creative, we don't like you either. You Harvard-educated pissants. You couldn't figure it out? You couldn't figure out maybe a one-on-one -on -one match with Oscar versus Becky Lynch with the winner to take on uh, Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship, which you decided to do anyway after all this fiasco. Why are you putting in a six-pack challenge in the first place? No need for it. 
No need for it. You got your two top contenders. Let them fight it out. Duh, it's easy. It is easy. You screwed it up. Just like you screwed up the fact that you put a semi-main event match of Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins first. Why? You could have put Bobby Lashley versus Omos first. See, these are, once again, over and over and over again, how creative has screwed things up as usual. And when they get there, and when uh, wrestlers start to stand up for themselves, like Sasha Banks and Naomi, their creative gets all tidied up in a bunch and gets an attitude problem. Well, we don't like you either. Yeah, uh, we're Harvard educated. Yeah, you bunch of Harvard educated pissants as far as I'm concerned. You suck. You're at fault for this one as far as I'm concerned. Uh, concern. You're at fault. You got me fired up, and I'm already fired up about this. So the question is now, where do they go from here? Oh, I got a perfect solution for you two. Naomi, Sasha Banks, it's time to give Tony Khan a call. That's right. Tony Khan's been getting rid of their lower talent that has been there for four years and hasn't amounted to much. A perfect opportunity right now to boost the women's division. And it doesn't matter if you have an attitude problem. I don't think Sasha has one. Naomi surely doesn't have one. They're independent. And yes, I know Naomi's married to one of the Usos, but this is business. I'm talking business here. I think that Naomi and Sasha Banks will do well in AEW. So Tony Khan, once they get, I guess if they're free, they're going to do their 90-day no-compete clause in their contracts, I guess. I don't know. But whatever it is, you better start looking into it. And if you got your first free moment, you get on your cell phone, ring-a-ding-ding, and you get Naomi and Sasha Banks in the NAEW. Think about that. Sasha Banks and Naomi under new personas probably, but better personas. How about Sasha Banks in her new persona against Dr. Britt Baker, DMD? How about Naomi in her new um, persona challenging Jade Cargo for the TBS championship? There you go. That's the solution from here. What about creative? <laughs> you're going to keep screwing up, aren't you, creative? That's where you're going from here. And finally, I want to take offense to the last portion of the official WWE statement. Let me read that state uh, that part of the statement once again. Now, and it starts right here. They claim they were res they weren't respected of as tag team champions. That's true. And even though they had eight hours to rehearse, quote-unquote, and construct their match, quote-unquote, they claimed they were uncomfortable in the ring with two of their opponents. Even though they had matches with, the, matches with those individuals in the past with no consequences. How do you know that, creative? How do you know that, WWE? When they follow concerns, did they follow any concerns about that? They Did they try? If they did... That's on you guys. Anyway, uh, remember the words rehearse and construct their match for a minute as I move on. Monday Night Raw is a scripted live TV show whose characters are expected to perform the requirements of their contract. You know, I've been involved in professional wrestling as a fan, as a writer, and as a podcast host, and as well as my YouTube channel 
all in all since December of 1985 with all those projects I have later on in my life. And I've always believed that pro wrestling is real and I still think it's real. These are highly, highly trained professional athletes. They do get hurt in the ring. There's no doubt about it. I keep telling people when this subject comes up that do not try those moves at home. They're dangerous. But then you go around, says Monday Night Raw is a scripted lie TV show. Why in the name of God would you say that? Just to save face for you guys? It's a professional wrestling show as far as I'm concerned. It's you're portraying professional wrestling. Or so I thought. Or so I thought. Who's characters? You call your professional wrestlers characters? Really? Really? What is this? A sitcom or something? A friends or something? Give me a break. Really? Give me a break. Now, these characters are expected to perform the requirements of the contract. How can a character perform a requirement of a contract? They're a professional wrestler. And wrestling is real. It's not scripted. Yeah, you might as well say it's scripted because creative could start it. But you did not have to say that in your statement, did you? All you did was you saved your little butts. Really? Scripted? Scripted? Give me a break. I am sick and tired of this. Constructing matches, rehearsing. We don't need to hear that as fans. We pay enough of our cable bill to watch you guys wrestle. And that's what we came to watch. Wrestling. Unbelievable. I mean, Jesus. You want to be considered fake? Fine. But I'm going to treat professional wrestling as a sport. Professional wrestling. Stop saying it's scripted. We're not stupid. We're not dumb. We know what's going on. <sighs> anyway, in closing, I am, as I mentioned before, I am in full support of Sasha Banks and Naomi. They deserve better than that. That was the raw, that was a raw deal. I did not I did not particularly like that. And I wish them both the best of luck. I wish they would go to AEW right now because that's the place to be right now. AEW. And I wish them all the best of luck. If this is their last time ever in the WWE, thank you very much for your contributions. Again, I wish you all the best of luck in the near future. I got your back on this one. You're not at fault. It is creative's fault as far as I'm concerned. And creative, you still suck. And that's it for this parting shot. I'm glad I got that off my chest and out to you, the public, as to my feelings on it. And, yeah, I'll keep abreast of this story as it develops. Don't forget, Saturday Evenings with the Nitro is this Saturday on Spotify and Anchor.fm. My name is Paul the Nitro Skyvers. We'll see you this Saturday evening. Thanks a lot. Have a good day, everybody. Hello again, everybody. I'm Paul Nitro Scars here for Anchor.fm. Have you ever wanted to do a podcast? Well, now's the time to do it. I mean, go to Anchor.fm. I mean, it's free. It's easy to set up. You get streams on all streaming services, Spotify, Google, Apple, and all, and all other streaming services, and you can make money off of it. Why not? Take advantage of this opportunity and make your own podcast here at Anchor.fm. Welcome back, everyone, to this edition of Saturday Evenings with the Nitro. Thank you so very much for joining us. It is now time for this week 
in wrestling history. On August or October 9th, 1982 in St. Paul, Minnesota, Otto Wands defeated Nick Bockwinkle to win the AWA World Heavyweight title was considered the biggest upset of 1982. On October 15, 1976 in Lubbock, Texas, the international title was on the line as Super Destroyer defeated Johnny Weaver. On December 12, 1966 in Madison, Wisconsin, the original Sheik defeated Fred Curry, Flying Fred Curry, by disqualification in a two out of three falls match. And finally, on October 16, 1983, in Salisbury, Maryland, at the White Comical Youth and Civic Center, Andre the Giant, Superfly Jimmy Snuka, and Rocky Soul Man Johnson defeated the Wild Samoans and Samula. And that's this week in wrestling history. And now a parting shot on Sami Zayn. The comeback is complete. Now think about this. Going back to this year's WrestleMania, having the worst match in the history of professional wrestling against Johnny Knoxville. Let's get rid of that name. <clears throat> Forget it. That, that, that's as low as you can go. And now Sami Zayn is at highest of highs. He is an honorary oose in the oose uh, in the uh, bloodline right now. He is getting over. The fans are behind him 100%. He found his niche again as the honorary oose. And the t-shirts are flying off the shelf. I mean, hell, he got himself a new word. Oosey. Think about that. Hashtag that. He'll probably put it on a t-shirt. It'll sell like hotcakes. It'll probably be put in the dictionary. With that in mind, that means, in my opinion, the comeback's complete from the worst match in the history of WrestleMania, in my opinion, to now the honorary ooze in the bloodline. My God. I mean, the, just the promo Monday night alone. Telling Jay Uso, now you're not being Usy enough. You got to be Usy. And the crowd ate it up. And you know it's going to be on a t shirt and it's going to sell like hotcakes, just like honorary Usy. That is tremendous. That's a comeback, people. Now, how it, this angle is going to be resolved now that Jay Uso has become Sammy's problem as far as Jay Uso's hot headedness. You gotta be more oozy about it. Can you imagine that in the dictionary? The word oozy. <laughs> Unbelievable. As I said, and I'm gonna conclude with this the comeback is complete for Sami Zayn, the honorary ooze, and the fact that he is the inventor of the word oozy. That means you gotta be oozy enough. I mean, come on, you gotta be an ooze. Come on now. Unreal. The comeback is complete. And that is my parting shot for this week. And that's it for this edition of Saturday Evenings with the Nitro. Thank you so very much for joining us. Until next week, everyone, I'm Paul the Nitro Skyvers here saying so long, everybody. Hello again, everybody. I'm Paul the Nitro Skyvers here for Anchor.fm. Have you ever wanted to do a podcast? Well, now's the time to do it. It's here at Anchor.fm, I mean, it's free, it's easy to set up, you can make money off of it, and it streams on all services, Spotify, Google, Apple, 
and all other streaming services. Come aboard today at Anchor.fm. Welcome back, everyone, to this edition of Saturday Evenings with the Nitro. Thank you so very much for joining us. Now it's time for This Week in Wrestling History. On December 2nd, 1975, in Portland, Oregon, Jonathan Boyd and Norman Charles III, the Royal Kangaroos, defeated Maurice, Mad Dog, Bashan, and Siegfeld Stanky. On December 1st, 1973, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, at the arena, Stan the Man Stasiak defeated Pedro Morales to win the Worldwide Wrestling Federation's heavyweight title. Uh, Stan Stasiak's reign would only last one week because Bruno San Martino would win back the belt the next Monday night, December 9th, in Philadelphia. And finally, on um, December 27, 1973, in Monroe, Louisiana, Dr. X defeated Tank Morgan. And that's this week in wrestling history. Oh, excuse me. That date was wrong. It's November 27, 1973. My fault, folks. My fault. And that will be this week in wrestling history for this week. Sorry about the error. Now it's time for our parting shots. Let's begin with good old Chris Jericho. Okay, get ready for this. In a recent interview, he said he was driving down a country road one night to get to his one of his many homes. I wonder how many he's got. And somehow he lost track of time, approximately three hours. He thought he would get home in an hour. Let's say he said about 1 a.m. to 2 a.m. He didn't get back home till 5 a.m. Really, Chris? And then he goes and says, wow, I might have been abducted by an alien. Really? Really? Stupid. Just stupid. Oh, yeah, an alien abducted. What, what, was you on that country all doing something else, Chris? Was you doing something else? Three hours. I what? I can't account for three hours of lost time. An alien must have abducted me. Well, can you describe the alien abduction? Did they drive a Ford Coupe or something? What, did they drive a Mercedes-Benz? What, did they have a rock concert on their on their spaceship that says Transatlantic or something? Give me a break. What is it? Is it some type of enhancement you're on? Some type of pharmaceutical enhancement? Or is the fact that you're covering up for something that you did, Chris? Is it something that you're covering up for what you did? Instead, you're telling everyone, oh, I can't believe I lost three hours of time due to this alien abduction. I mean, so weird. You think we all are that stupid to buy that lame story? Give me a break, dude. I mean, God. You're the Ring of Honor champion. You're an AEW wrestler, and now you're getting abducted by aliens. Do we expect us to buy that story? Are we that stupid according to you? Oh, I forgot. This is Chris Jericho, everybody. We're going to get abducted by aliens. Give me a break. Stop it, Chris. You're just probably covered up for something that you did or some type of pharmaceutical enhancement or something. I don't know. Alien abduction. Give me a break. Seriously. And finally, let's talk about a screwed up finish at a house show now. I saw this on film. I guess this is from a fan cam at a house show. I think in 
uh, Decatur, Illinois, or something like that. It was an eight-man tag, the Bloodline versus Drew McIntyre and the Brawling Brutes. And it was like 50 seconds of film, and here's Sami Zayn in there. He did, it was so cool, so original. He delivers his own version of the Superman punch. I mean, he really laid it in the leather, and Drew was down. He was hurt. And there's Sami Zayn getting himself all good and psyched up, getting the crowd going, getting himself over. I was like, that's smooth. I'm beginning to like this. He turns around and he mocks Roman a little bit, but creative license, people. He's using creative license. He gives the big war. And then he comes and he nails Drew with a beautifully executed spear. Absolutely perfect. But this time, he follows through with the spear with a cradle. He hooks the leg. He is right there. He was dead on right. Drew was done. I thought he was done. The fans thought he was done. Here comes the referee quickly into the ring. I thought he was going to count this man out. This was going to be sweet. The referee counts so slowly as if he was knocked out. One, two. Then when he comes down for three, Drew kicks out. And I'm looking at this like, what the bleep is this? What the bleep? That is the most screwed up finish. Who booked this bleep? I swear, yeah, the bleeping is the curse words that I'll be using right now, but this is a clean broadcast. I'll just use the word bleep. What the bleep? You just screwed up. Sammy C was coming up, was coming strong and right. He was coming up with some brilliant stuff. It, it was working. It was getting him over. It was getting the bloodline over. This was perfect. If I was booking that, that was a three count. Drew, you're going to do the job tonight, which means you're going to get pinned tonight. You're going to do the job for Sammy Say tonight. If I was Booker, you're, you're doing the job tonight, Drew. You're going to get speared. One, two, three. It's over. That would be tremendous. That would build up to Roman Reigns saying that Sammy Uso is the de facto leader of the bloodline. The bloodline would support them. Sammy Zayn would use the Sammy Blaster, as he would call it. And the spear would be known as the Spear of Tranquility. Think about that. The Spear of Tranquility. One, two, three. That's how it should have been booked. But no, no, Drew cast a kick out at two and nine tenths. What? What the bleep? screwed up, and he eventually lost the match. I bet you he was pinned. I bet you he was pinned. That screwed up. That is the wrong way to do it. The right way to do it. Drew was supposed to do the job, folks. He was supposed to do the job. What, do I have to do all the booking around here or something? Give me a break. Done, creative. Don't you ever screw up like that again. And if you drop the ball on this, I swear to God, if you drop the ball, ooh, oh, that's going to be some trouble, son. It's going to be some trouble. But Sami Zayn should have got the three count on that. That was perfect, and you screwed that one up.
creative. Do me a favor. Leave it alone. Let Sammy pin Drew. What? Drew can't do a job for Sammy Zayn? Really? What the bleep, people? What the bleep? I'm done with this. Sammy's my boy. Yeah, I'm a little biased. Sammy Zayn's exciting. I like that. That's all I'm going to say about that. That was a screwed up finish. My opinion, that should have been a three count. And with that, that's our parting shots for this week. And that does it for this edition of Saturday Evenings with the Nitro. Thank you so very much for joining us. Until next week, everyone, I'm Paul the Nitro Skyvers here saying, yes, there will be a preview this Thursday. I apologize again for not having a preview for this show this past Thursday, but I assure you there will be a preview this Thursday of the next episode. And until then, I'm Paul the Nitro Skyvers here saying, so long, everybody. Well, there you have it, folks. Some of the best moments of Saturday evenings with the Nitro. And on behalf of everyone here at Saturday evenings with the Nitro, I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in every Saturday evening for my podcast. It's been my pleasure to do this, and I could hope I could continue to do more in the near future. Now, this is only part one of our 100th episode. We're going to have our regular episode coming up later today as I will take a look at predictions for AEW's All In in England and so much more. So for right now, on behalf of everyone here at Saturday Evenings with the Nitro, thank you for 100 episodes. Part 2 is coming up later today. I am Paul the Nitro Scars here saying... So long, everybody.